spoke to the municipal manager and the question was whether there is um, unconstitutionality in that differentiation and whether that differentiation is unfair at all. So I briefly just explained again all of the sections that relate to um, the municipal manager and then the, municipal, uh, the, the manager directly um, accountable to the municipal manager. And um, most importantly, uh, 54A says the municipal manager is the head of administration of the municipal council. So I wanted to explain that the act in itself already differentiates, even with the amendments that the, uh, the committee proposes, there's already a differentiation between the municipal manager and the manager directly accountable to him because of the fact that the municipal manager is uh, the, the head of the administration. He's also the uh, the accounting officer of municipalities. So um, we must we must remember that there is already that differentiation in the act. So it's not as if the amendments that the committee will propose will now bring um, bring the only differentiation between these two managers. Then I just uh, went on to section 56 of the, as I said, the principal act, as it will be amended now by the board, uh, explaining that the manager directly accountable to the manager is also appointed by the, um, the municipal council, but after consultation with the municipal manager. So the municipal manager plays a role in the appointment of the municipal, um, of the manager directly accountable to him. And then our most important section is the one where we propose amendments to the employment contracts for the municipal managers and those directly accountable to them. And um, as it is, the principal act describes already that there must be a, a written contract for both of them and that they must both have performance agreements. But where the differentiation comes in is that the statute, the, the Principal Act uh, in Section 57.6 makes it compulsory for the municipal manager to be appointed on a, on a fixed term contract. Um, if we look at the wording, um, it says the employment contract for the municipal manager must be for a fixed term of employment and uh, up, to, up to a maximum of five years and it mustn't exceed the period ending one year after the election of the Council of the Municipality. So it's connected to the Municipal uh, Council's term. And then in terms of the uh, Principal Act, there was always a subsection 7 that provided the Municipal Council with the discretion uh, with reference to the, municipal, the manager directly accountable to the Municipal Manager to Point that um, uh, manager in terms of section 57.6. So that would have meant that the municipal council had the discretion to appoint that manager also on a fixed term for a fixed term contract. And all of the requirements that would be then applicable to the municipal manager in terms of section 57.6 would also be applicable to the manager directly accountable to him. But in terms of the proposals that the committee wanted uh, to, uh, to do in terms of Section 57, 
uh, 57.7 must be deleted. So that discretion then falls away for the municipal council. And also after the proposal by the Limpopo um, government, uh, it, it was proposed that another subsection be inserted that states that the employment contract for a manager directly accountable to a municipal manager must be on a permanent basis. So that now completely takes away the municipal council's discretion and it makes it very clear that the municipal uh, manager is appointed on a fixed term in terms of the act, but the manager directly accountable to the municipal manager can no longer be appointed for a fixed term. So if this proposal is accepted, there will be that differentiation between them as well. So the question was, now whether this is unfair and... Um, no, Okay, can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, so, so we looked at the interpretation of um, some of the case law because what I tried to, to also explain was because yeah, we have uh, because we had the sure. sorry they are they are Chair, they are cutting. We can't even hear what what they are saying now. You can't hear what they're saying, uh, Honorable. Uh, yeah, can you sit properly or find a location where you can talk uh, properly, uh, Yolanda? Can you hear me now, Chairperson? Sorry, I explained at the beginning that my network is a bit unstable this evening, so I was hoping that I would make it through this opinion. Can you hear me better now? Let me check with Nkosilituli. Can you hear better, Nkosilituli? I can hear it's myself. Better. It said it's thank better you, than proceeding London. Okay. Thanks, Jay. I don't want to sound as if I'm screaming. Um, okay, so so I just went through a few case, cases to uh, demonstrate that we've already been um, implementing some of these amendments when the Amendment Act was still in place. And luckily... There was some um, some judgment that we could also use uh, to guide us in deciding whether these proposals would be constitutional or not. And um, in the matter of Nongoma local municipality, for instance, it was found that um, the staff establishment uh, in the Municipal Systems Act, as it currently is, uh, in terms of that staff establishment, the staff are all um, appointed permanently on a permanent basis. So. With the, uh, with the section uh, 57 uh, discretion that there used to be for the municipal council, that would have been an exception to the staff establishment um, being uh, permanently appointed. So when the section 57.7 was taken away, or if it's going to be uh, removed uh, as proposed by the committee, that means that in any case, without us having to insert another provision to specifically provide for the permanent appointment of the manager directly accountable to the municipal manager, uh, it means that that manager would have been appointed permanently in any event. So, from the nature Sorry. of the staff establishment. Sorry, Chair. Chairperson. No, the, in, this is the legal opinion that was oh, said to okay. all of your colleagues. So you can check on your documents. There's a legal opinion from the state law advisor. I thought I'm going to respond to the group. I just said she must highlight 
and summarize that what this I think this was sent to us if it's not three weeks ago it should be two weeks ago but long ago the last time we met this opinion was there I think what made us to postpone the meeting because we couldn't deal with that we said she must I like that and then after that then the department because the reason why we adjourned the meeting colleagues was that then the department, uh, remember we said they must give us proof that they indeed consulted on this matter. What I've seen, colleagues, is a list of stakeholders that was consulted. So they will take us one by one to tell us if it's ILGM they consulted on this matter of M a manager accountable to the MM, whether that matter was dealt with in that and what was the response. So they will do that one by one. And then I know Salga also want to come in. That's why I said, let's allow Yolande to start. Then the department will take us one by one through those things that they've sent us and maybe help us identify where in the consultation where this issue of managers accounting and what was the response on that one. So that's the route. But the, the, the legal opinion is there, Honorable Tyson. So she's just doing the summary. If you can then open that document of the legal opinion, as you're saying, maybe Yolanda, as you're talking, just refer to the paragraphs to assist the members. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. Thank you so much. Um, thanks, Jane. Um, okay, I think, uh, so, so in short, what I was trying to explain was just that there is already a differentiation and that even if we didn't insert the proposed um, new substitution 7A, uh, that it would mean that the manager accountable to the municipal manager would by implication, by legal implication or operation, be appointed permanently. So that is dealt with in the Nungoma matter, and that's on page 14 of my, and 15 of my legal opinion, where I just explain what the court said. And um, uh, as I said, they indicated that um, that is a, it's, it's an exception to the staff establishment section, which is, I think, section 66. And then there's another matter also that I discuss on page 16, the Utukela matter. Um, but most importantly, I deal with the constitutionality from page 16 of my opinion, where I briefly just um, go through the, um, the Bill of Rights clauses, the applicable ones, uh, section, sorry, section 7, um, Section 7, which deals with the rights and that says the state must respect the rights. Section 9, that deals with equality. And then Section 36, which, as we know, deals with the limitation of rights. Uh, but then there was a case that I that I um, also quoted, which was the Imatu case, uh, starting on page 18 of my opinion. We... Basically, it stated that the law never... Um, the law never... Uh, differentiate, differentiate. Sorry, between um, workers that work on that do the same sort of work or are on the same level, and if there is such a differentiation, it must be justified. So that explains um, that part of 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 the um, discussion about constitutionality. That where there is a differentiation between two workers or two employees that differentiation must be justified. And then I refer to the Employment Equity Act, which deals with the prohibition of unfair discrimination. And it says that no person may unfairly discriminate um, directly or indirectly against an employee. But as you know, there are, um, 
there are grounds that are listed in Section 9 on the basis of which we can discriminate, but there's also uh, differentiations that's not based, based um, on those uh, essentials that's listed in Section 9, and that is where Section 6.4 of the Employment Equity Act comes in, which um, is quoted on page 20 of my of my opinion, and it says that the Employment uh, Equity Act does not state that all employees must be treated equally in terms of their remuneration and benefits. It does permit fair differentiation between employees doing the same or equal value of work. And then um, the rest of the, the case law that I referred to is case law that basically explains the differentiation between uh, different employees and that when there is a differentiation, that such differentiation must once again be a rational differentiation and it mustn't constitute discrimination. And once that differentiation can be justified and it's not done on an, in an arbitrary manner, then that differentiation won't be unconstitutional. So that discussion about uh, the differentiation is uh, from page 20, mostly to page 23. And then um, I also said that um, once again, as we know, there's already this differentiation in the Act, so it's clear that the legislature intended to differentiate between the municipal manager and the manager directly accountable to that manager. Um, and probably because the municipal manager is the administrator or, or is the head of the administration, rather, of the municipality, and also the accounting officer. And um, obviously, when, uh, due to the nature of, of the municipal manager's position, there's already such a differentiation. And then also, as some of the cases have referred to the deletion of Section 57.7 in the previous amendment act before it was declared invalid, uh, it was also clear and it was stated in the Utukela um, district municipality man, uh, matter that um, there is this, this distinction and that it was an attempt by the legislature to make it clear that uh, they want to do away with fixed term contracts for, uh, for managers directly accountable to municipal managers. And that was found um, in the Utukelo matter, and it was also mentioned in the case that I mentioned earlier by the board to just say what the reason would be um, for, for differentiating between those two uh, managers. Jay? Okay, so th that just led us then to. Um, to the conclusion that it cannot be said that that differentiation is unconstitutional or unfair because uh, it is justified in our opinion in terms of the fact, you know, the fact that there is already a differentiation in the statute and the reasons for that differentiation. Right, so that was um, basically then our conclusion from page 30 to 31, that, that was now on the differentiation. And then the next question, I just want to verify those, those pages. It's page 25 and page 26. That's where the conclusion with regard to the differentiation is dealt with. 
And then our next question um, related to the powers and the rights of the municipal council in terms of section 151.2 of the constitution. Um, as I mentioned earlier, uh, if the proposal to delete the current section 57.7 is accepted, can you hear me, Chairperson? Chairperson, may I proceed? Yes, proceed. Okay. Uh, if, so if Section 57.7 is deleted, that means that the discretion that the municipal council would have had to appoint a manager directly accountable to a municipal manager on a fixed term contract in the same way that the municipal manager is appointed that discretion will then fall away. So the question was, to what extent would that have an effect on, um, on the right of the municipal council in terms of 151.2, which states that the executive authority of a municipality lies with the municipal council. Um, and basically, we must remember that the, um, although the executive and legislative authority of a municipality is vested in the council, that power or that right um, of the municipal council is exercised in terms of section 151.3, um, subject to national and provincial legislation as provided for in the constitution. So although the municipality is... Um, should be allowed to govern its own affairs. Um, there is that provision in the constitution that states that that right is still subject to national and provincial legislation. And then I refer on page 27 to the Dem Democratic Alliance versus Masondu matter, which is the constitutional court where they describe the local government as a hybrid system. So it's not the same. The court found that it's it's not the same system as uh, what we, how we understand the executive authority, for instance, of, of the ministers or of the president um, uh, in government. It's, it's a hybrid system that's sort of, um, the municipality has its own executive authority, but it's still subject to national legislation. So uh, we just refer to that case um, as an explanation as to how the executive authority of the municipality must be uh, interpreted. Um, and then also section 164 of the constitution states that any matter concerning local government not dealt with in the constitution may be prescribed by national legislation. And um, as we know, there is no provision in the constitution that specifically provides um, for a procedure, for instance, on how a municipal council can appoint employees or uh, which sort of um, requirements that appointment must, uh, must comply with. So uh, many of the authors and some of the case, cases that we refer to, in, in my opinion, basically states that those matters that are not dealt with in the constitution may be prescribed by national legislation. And hence, the municipal systems may very well uh, prescribe that 
procedure uh, for the appointment of the municipal manager or then the manager directly accountable to the municipal manager in the Act. So that will not be seen as unconstitutional because uh, it is, it is a, a matter a manner of prescribing uh, to the municipal council how, how um, these managers must be appointed. Um, another case we also referred to was the Executive Council of the Western Cape case. That was on page 30. Uh, we, we discussed uh, that case uh, where the obligation on a municipality to appoint a municipal manager was alleged to be unconstitutional. Um, and also for the same reason that um, it was alleged that it violates the municipality's right to regulate its internal affairs. But the Constitutional Court then dismissed that allegation and held that the municipal manager is a key structure of a municipality and not merely a personnel appointment as contemplated in Section 161D of the Constitution. It is thus permissible for national government to make provision for the appointment of the municipal manager in terms of section 1557 of the constitution, which also authorizes the national government to enact legislation to regulate the exercise by municipalities of the uh, executive authority. So in conclusion then, Chairperson, we, we basically said that it is not, not unconstitutional for, um, for the Municipal Systems Act to prescribe to municipal councils how they must appoint managers and managers um, directly appoint, uh, accountable to them. And we also found it not to be unconstitutional for there to be a differentiation between the manager, the municipal manager, and the manager directly accountable to that manager. Thanks, Chair. Thank you so much. Uh, Yolanda. Uh, before I've, I've, I've seen what the department has submitted, uh, it's in relation to the case study from the Western Cape that we want you to talk on about. There was also a research by the Institute of Local Government. Uh, there is also a PDG research study by the department and then uh, also then uh, there's uh, evidence that has been presented you'll tell us by who that shows that the fixed contracts are vulnerable to abuse uh, and, and then yes at the same time not as given on the possibility that permanent contracts can be abused uh, this is before I, I give Salga. So those are the issues because remember the last time we said, share with us your consultation in particular to this uh, clause that uh, MM's account, my manager's accountable um, to MM must be made permanent. We raise it coming from, and I'm glad that the state law advisor now is advised to say, it will stand a constitutional challenge. There's nothing wrong by that. We are fine. But then we need to also say that because during our engagements, these matters, when they come, uh, the department said that there was consultation. So 
then wanted to understand the extent of the consultation because so far that I need I've seen is the three. And the worst one with the one done by the PDG research, it concludes that uh, there's nothing wrong with a fixed term appointments, but the research doesn't shed the light on permanent appointment of a section 57 manager accountable with the mm it was only talking to the mm so the issue here we must remember we're dealing with managers accountable to 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 the mm so it's up to you to the department you've sent us a list so i think you need to talk to each of the submission that you sent to us now over to you the department Good evening, Chairperson, and good evening to all the honourable members. I'm accompanied by the management in the department, and Tiboho Matla Shuping will be leading us and sharing with us the outcomes of the consultation process, Chair. Thank you. Yes. Are we ready? Thank you, Chairperson. Uh, Was I, the presentation prepared apart from the documents sent raw as they are to us? To summarize each. Chairperson, uh, there was no presentation presented because um, we were of the opinion that we presented to the portfolio committee in the past and then we submitted the uh, work that we have been requested to do in terms of us coming with uh, uh, any other study that indicated uh, where this particular proposal that you are coming with works. So our intention was to talk to the, the three, four documents that we submitted to the portfolio committee and stressing in particular where we are, we are highlighting uh, success stories in relation to our proposal. But uh, the essence of our talking to the presentation will be based on the work that we were given by the portfolio committee when we presented the last time. It should be not only success stories based on what we said. So it means that you only selected those that deal with uh, success, the ones that were not sharing the success stories, you need to share with us because we wanted to understand the the consultation, the extent of them. That's why I only zoomed the, the, the four that I could see thus far. Then okay. proceed, the term is yours. Then you'll tell us which one are you dealing with, and then you need to express an opinion on those as you proceed. So the benefit of the members, you tell us now, if you are dealing with the LGM proposal, let us know. So that Thank the members can browse that because there's no presentation done to that event. Thank you, Chairperson. Chairperson, I will start first with uh, the issue relating to the consultation process that we embarked on the bill and the consultation uh, that we conducted. Uh, we submitted a, a list of uh, institutions uh, and uh, organizations that uh, we consulted when we first uh, uh, introduced the bill. You recall that this bill is uh, resubmitted to 
parliament as is, as it was in, in the bill that was then dealt with in 2010-2011. So uh, uh, when we look at the package that we sent to the portfolio committee, there is a, a big, uh, 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 some sort of uh, a template that we completed indicating all the other stakeholders that were uh, consulted and their views and uh, how we interacted with them and also in relation to whether we agreed with their proposals or not. And that is contained in that uh, page that is about 137 pages, the, the, the document that is 137 pages. Maybe uh, honorable members might not have uh, that same document, but it was also uh, sent to the portfolio committee because it has all the issues that were raised and uh, issues relating to the interaction with our good selves. It is also so, so that uh, before this was introduced to cabinet uh, recently, uh, until it was sent to the portfolio committee, uh, that uh, the discussion was had was held with uh, the portfolio committee, and we've got minutes of 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 uh, the uh, uh, MinMEC actually that we had uh, discussions with MinMEC in relation to the reintroduction of this bill with the same provisions that we had when we introduced the bill. So in compliance with the court order, the constitutional court order, we then uh, re-submitted uh, as is. Uh, Rufus has got uh, the dates uh, of the dif uh, different uh, uh, technical minimums that we had where I presented the bill to the technical minimum and also subsequently to the political minimum. And we've got also the minutes of uh, those minutes wherein MECs, uh, and also HODs of provincial department discussed uh, uh, the, the bill itself. Now coming to specifics in relation to, to the, uh, uh, our proposal of uh, taking or, or having managers accountable to uh, uh, municipal managers on a permanent basis. We have looked at cases in the Western Cape because Western Cape was uh, Western Cape uh, KZN and Northern Cape were the leading uh, municipalities in relation to uh, having appointed municipal uh, uh, senior managers accountable to uh, municipal managers uh, on a permanent basis. So I'll start with the uh, Western Cape. With regard to Western Cape, uh, there are municipalities, but before coming to municipalities, there has been some sort of uh, a, a, a motivation that relates to why uh, uh, the national and provincial departments were of the opinion that uh, managers accountable to senior managers should be on a permanent basis. And that is in addition to the two presentations that we made earlier on. In relation to uh, municipalities in the, north of, in, the, in the Western Cape, firstly it was in relation to the security of tenure, that in instances where senior managers are not appointed on a permanent basis because of insecurity, that created some sort of a lapse in relation to them uh, performing to the optimum level because knowing that they, are only, they will only be in employ of a municipality for a period of between three to five years, depending on when they were appointed. And uh, because of that lack of security, uh, there was an instance where senior managers will not give in their goal because of the fact that they know that upon the expiry of their term, then they'll be out, out, out of the system. The second one was in relation to the institutional stability and uh, memory. We have already indicated, and I've said it uh, in our presentation in the past, that the retention of highly experienced managers 
had has a problem in relation to when they are to be reappointed. But instances where they are appointed on a permanent basis, that that retains the the, 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 the skill and also the investment that we made in capacitating those senior managers. The third one was in relation to success, succession planning that we also iterated that uh, in, in, the, in the Western Cape, those municipalities that, were, that appointed municipal managers on a permanent basis then had to have a succession plan that also gave some sort of uh, certainty to managers accountable to senior managers. The fourth one was uh, that of building a stronger management team that over a period and will demonstrate when we look at one by one municipalities instances where uh, they have been appointed on a permanent I'm not going to get too much into that, but safe to say that when you look at the document that I'm referring to, there is a, a point 5.1. 5.1, there is a table that indicates those municipalities that have appointed managers uh, on, a, on a permanent basis. One being Swartland, the second one being Berkrefir, Mosel Bay, Essequa, and Cape Agalas. And when you look at uh, the uh, level of governance where they've appointed managers on a permanent basis, you look at how they are faring in terms of the ratings in the Good Governance Africa, a reputable institution that grades municipalities in relation to their performance. And when you look at the audit outcomes, because of this appointments of senior managers, you realize that um, they have unqualified audit outcomes for the years that are indicated on the template. And uh, uh, Swartland had unqualified since 2018-19, and uh, unqualified with findings. Um, uh, and when, and, and uh, from 2016-17, 2017-18, there has been an unqualified uh, report, including Berkeley, including Mosel Bay, Essequoia, and Cape Agalas. And when you look at their compliance with, with legislation, because of that certainty in relation to retaining those skilled uh, senior managers, there has been... A, no uh, a findings in relation to compliance. Uh, when you look at irregular expense, uh, expenditure as the result of the audit outcome, it also indicates the decline over years in relation to uh, the irregular expenditure because of the fact that uh, we've got these managers who are from time to time being able to give support to, to councillors and also to municipal managers. MIG, there's been between 95% to 100% expenditure on MIG on instances where, where um, uh, 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 we retain them over a period or on a permanent basis. The turnover of senior managers in, in, in Swartland, none, they're all there. In Berth uh, uh, it was two positions only uh, with regard to Mosulba and the others, one, one, and Cape uh, Agalas, there was no turnover, meaning that the retention of skills were there. That is why there was a consistent uh, 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 attainment of uh, positive audit outcomes because these uh, senior managers who are already in the system will then build on uh, the, 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 the previous year's findings. And that continues over years because they're they permanent, especially in relation and, and also matters relating to uh, the clean governance. Uh, you'll see that uh, in instances like Berkeley, where there were uh, allegations of um, uh, 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 misconduct or allegation of um, uh, uh, criminality and corruption, there has been an action and consequence management that were taking place. With regard to the rest of municipalities, there were no 
allegations of uh, corruption because, as we'll see when we go further, the issue that we said vulnerability in relation to that is that in instances where you have them on a, a fixed-term contract, they're prone to be to corruption because they know that within a period of three to five years they'll be But once they're appointed on a permanent basis, they fortify also, they work harder in, in, in achieving the possible audit, uh, positive, uh, positive audit outcomes and also uh, cases of where there, there are no allegations of misconduct. We also looked at uh, 5.2 instances where uh, senior managers accountable to municipal managers were, were appointed on a fixed-term contract in the Western Cape now, in this particular instance. And we look at Sederberg, we look at Oates Warren, and you look at uh, Buford West. These are the ones that we sample. And when you look at them on 5.2, when you look at uh, the findings uh, from 2016 to 2019 for Sederbeck, it has been uh, uh, unqualified with no findings. Uh, it was unqualified the following year with findings. And 2018-19 was unqualified with findings. Oates Warren, which was also characterized with some sort of challenges, 2017 was qualified, 2018 qualified with findings and uh, unqualified with findings. So this we are showing the balance that like uh, the chairperson has indicated. In, we're showing instances, how they fed, even in instances where they've appointed managers on a, on a, on a, on a fixed-term contract. And there goes uh, go down in, his, in other issues relating to uh, compliance with legislation, irregular expense, uh, expenditure. When you look at the regular expenditure, you look at the high level of the regular expenditure from uh, 61.5 million to 170 million uh, on an annual basis. Now, this indicates that the, 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 they are also performing well, these three municipalities, in relation to uh, uh, fixed expenditure. Disciplinary cases, there were two in Quebec, one in Old uh, uh, Warren, and uh, none in, in Buford West. And their goals in relation to the turnover of managers, we look at yeah. uh, also the, the middle of In conclusion, in relation to, 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 to Western Cape, we are indicating that uh, one of the most successful and one of the best municipalities in the country, which is Moselvai, has got uh, all senior managers appointed on, on, on a permanent basis. The second one is uh, we then approached um, the Institute of Local Government of South Africa. These are the institution. This is the institution of uh, representing senior managers in municipalities. Mm -hmm. senior managers include, can we, can, I think otherwise we are going to look, miss issues. Eh? Mm. I prefer we, we raise one, we ask questions for clarity. Okay. Then you go to the other one like that. Otherwise, we are going to lose the track of this. Uh, I think let, let, let's, let's do that, colleagues. Um, colleagues, here's the presentation on the Western Cape submission. What is your take on that? You fine with that, Cleza? I see you are here on the screen. I am. Much. I, I am really, I, I, I am still uh, uh, in laxadaisa, laxadaisa in terms of 
uh, what is the proposal of 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 the municipal managers that are accountable to the to the municipal manager being permanent going to give rise to consequences that are desired by municipalities uh, you know what, Honorable Teza? Yes, I was thinking yes. if the clarity issue seeking with regard to the Western Cape uh, a submission oh. on this issue. Uh, overall, other issues, I think at the end, you're still going to come back to raise the issues, like you say. Or, or should we allow it? Maybe, yeah, I, I think the way you're doing it so that let me maybe just allow him to finish all of them. Just note your issues. Then you tell me you are talking to the Western Cape submission. You are talking to the ILGM submission. You are talking to the PDGM submission. I'm talking to the first um, yeah. submission uh, chair that, we, that we've had. The Western uh, Cape one? The first one, the, 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 we had, we had land there. The one by your land, your land then, eh? Yes. I wanted, I wanted to ask. Um, okay, let's deal with, with the state law advisor one. But I think then it also me causing the confusion. Let me apologize so that we holistically mm. maybe deal with all of them, because already Yolanda has done that for state law advisor. Yes. Yes. Presented the view of the Western Cape. Can we allow him to deal with the others and allow Salga? So that then at the end of the day, then I just then plead with your colleagues, you must be focused, ne? so that you listen to all of them uh, in the visitor. Then we'll come at the end to ask all the presentation. We'll have to deal with the state law advisor presentation, deal with the department's uh, presentation, and then deal with Salga. Then we can ask questions. Then just be patient. Then let, let, let you allow you, you have done with the, with the Western Cape, come to the next one, the wall. My apologies. I thought it's going to make matters easier, but I realize it can create problems. My apologies, Tebo. Chair. Mm. Chairperson. Yes. Oh, okay. I know is the way he talks, but if because we are trying to get what he's saying. Okay, you mustn't be so fast the way he's doing it. Yes. You are trying to digest also the sense of the things that he's saying. It's okay. Okay. So it's fine. Okay, sure. Let's proceed. Hello? You've disposed the Western Cape one. Go to the next. ILGM, please. DJ. Thank you. Chairperson, uh, you, you say I must proceed with uh, the next one. The other ones. You will tell us which one are you dealing with now. I will deal with uh, the LGM one. Uh, first to say that uh, the ILGM is the 
uh, institute that comprises of uh, senior managers in municipalities, and that also include middle managers in, uh, in municipalities. And um, uh, their experience also is uh, of uh, importance in trying to indicate to us uh, how municipalities in the three provinces that they've got membership on have uh, fed when they've been appointed on a permanent basis. I will speak slowly. I thought I had to speak first for the interest of time and I apologize for maybe having confused the uh, honorable members. Uh, the report that uh, relates to uh, ILGM, uh, when you look at uh, their experience in Western Cape, they are also citing the very same municipalities that were cited by the provincial department of Western Cape and also as in determining in, 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 in looking at how they fed, where they have appointed um, uh, uh, senior managers on a permanent basis. And uh, that relates to West Coast, uh, overstranded, all those municipalities having received clean audits. And uh, also relating to when you look at uh, Western Cape, in instances where you have the high turnover of municipal managers after each and every five years, and even within the five-year period, uh, they uh, also are alluding to those municipalities that are even not doing well, like Canaland, Langsberg, Bitoy, Beaufort West, where there was a high turnover. And that also is uh, the issue that has been raised by the AG that uh, these municipalities are not doing well in terms of the audit outcomes and also in, in, in relation to good governance. And uh, they are now also uh, relating to KwaZulu Natal, where they have appointed, uh, where municipalities have been appointed on a permanent basis. And that includes Gungundovu, Kwadukuza, and uh, it shows also issues relating to uh, stability in those municipalities. And uh, Musundusi uh, having a problem of uh, influence from outside the municipal space that led to instability. But uh, as you are aware, after the intervention of the National and Provincial Department at Musundusi at one stage, there was stability. And at the time when they appointed the senior managers on a permanent basis, there was stability. But there were other factors outside the municipal space that made Musundusi uh, not to be stable. When we look at Etiquini, they've got two out of eight senior managers who are appointed on a permanent basis, and they've got a CFO who is appointed on a permanent basis for over years. And uh, it also uh, manifests itself in the outcome, the audit outcome of uh, Etiquini in relation to it uh, receiving a clean audit, and that is as a result of the CFO who has been there for over years. So we are, the, the, the ILGM is also uh, building a strong case in relation to uh, issues of where uh, there has been uh, an appointment of senior managers um, uh, on a permanent basis. That also make reference to Cape Town uh, that has uh, one of the uh, healthy, uh, positive audit outcome as a result of uh, this, uh, this, uh, this um, uh, 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 step that has been taken by the municipality. I must also indicate that uh, we are all aware that the CFO of uh, Tequini 
has been there for approximately 25 years over a period of uh, sitting positions and all that. And they have, as a result of that stability, uh, in terms of their audit outcomes, they have been receiving a very uh, uh, good audit outcome. Uh, in relation to Northern Cape, uh, there is Namakoi and Karahais that has got all permanent senior managers and they have been performing well over years in terms of the audit outcomes. And uh, that shows also that uh, a, a particular trajectory then transpired once uh, municipalities this in the Northern Cape decided to appoint their senior managers on a permanent basis. That relates to also the quality of service delivery, even now it is not up to 100% standard, but in instances where appointments has been made, there has been uh, there has been a a, um, a a positive outcome and also quality service service delivery that has been that has been exercised in those uh, in those municipalities, and uh, the ILGM has also indicated in relation to their benchmarking overseas that most of the successful municipalities overseas uh, have appointments of their managers accountable to, senior mani to, to, to municipal managers on a permanent basis. And that is in the US, in the UK, and Australia. And uh, they even look at, uh, at the trend uh, where even in actual fact in those countries, senior managers are appointed by city managers or what they have been termed uh, chief executive officers were appointed on a fixed-term contract, and uh, uh, those managers accountable to them are appointed by the city manager or the chief uh, executive uh, officer on a permanent basis. And that's a difference in relation to us, and they also have a, a study, that, a, 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 the sample of the legislation in, this, in, in Australia that indicates how this particular phenomenon is exercised in, in Australia. So those are the... Uh, uh, the, the the case studies that we have that indicated uh, how uh, 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 the permanency uh, 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 of senior managers accountable to municipal managers will assist municipalities to be stable and to perform optimally. There is also a case study that was conducted by COPPA uh, prior to the promulgation of this, this act that was done by the institution and, and, and in that chairperson uh, 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 to realize that it is just not uh, looking at various uh, municipalities, but overall uh, making a case that we made at the time when we when we first introduced the bill to uh, uh, Parliament, that uh, where there is certainty in relation to senior managers accountable to municipal managers, there has been some pockets of excellence, and uh, there has been less uh, uh, corruption-related cases as a result of officials having been sure that their appointment will do over a period, over a longer period, and that they can invest more in the kind of work that they are doing for the advancement of those municipalities. And that particular report also assisted us in coming to a conclusion when we, as, as Yolanda has already referred to, when we moved for the removal of Section 377 in relation to other permanent or on a, on a fixed-term contract of senior managers. It was really based on that particular study that supported our proposal at the time. We also had a discussion with NetLeg at the time, and NetLeg also looked into this, and NetLeg agreed with the proposals that we had in as far as it related to us having 
a constant uh, 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 senior managers being in municipalities. And uh, we, we, we are also indicating to the portfolio committee that uh, the, this process is uh, now a parliamentary process. We are only indicating what we are indicating now as requested by the portfolio committee to just support our proposal in relation to this particular clause that uh, one that, that, that uh, 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 requests that uh, senior managers accountable to municipal municipal managers should be permanent. But if uh, maybe the portfolio committee or parliament is not convinced in relation to our motivation, and then the portfolio committee might take a decision that is best to the best interest of uh, of local government in these states. Uh, I think I will pause there. Uh, uh, chairperson, and uh, I will then, uh, together with uh, the team from Compta, respond to questions that may be asked in relation to the case studies that we have uh, cited uh, here. We will come, that time will definitely come. Uh, can I hand over to Sarga? Is it Lance? Who's doing that? Councillor Stephanie, are you gonna doing it's the Lance. It's Lance. Lance. Yeah. Now I understand the reason why he complains. I'm overworking him. <laughs> Lance? Jefferson, um, good evening, um, Jefferson, um, yes. and also members of the committee, uh, the Deputy Ministers, DG mm. of Cocta. Uh, and colleagues who, who are present. Uh, Chair, I have never complained to work. I don't complain working. In fact, uh, I enjoy it. It helps me. But but come to presentation, um, uh, Chairperson, that has been um, uh, uh, been requested of um, Chair, I'm hoping I'm, I'm audible. I am in the darkness here. We are we are in the chatting, so I hope that my audio uh, is sustained throughout. Um, there, there are a few areas, uh, Chair, we would want to to uh, remind the committee on that we have previously raised with the committee um, based on our 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 previous submissions. Is that we 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 had said that and we have made this point consistently from day one that it is our view that um, there should be a comprehensive review of the systems act we strongly feel that uh, the the manner in which we are dealing with the the act itself uh, is is trying to introduce top cap measures when in fact there are many other issues that we need to review, taking into account the experiences uh, of the last 19 plus years uh, of democratic local government going for 20 years. So, so we have made that point, but we unfortunately hear that we are focusing on um, key aspects introduced by the 2011 Amendment Act, and we have not gone beyond that. And we would also expose today where we think there, there are areas that we are still not considering, but yet there's a link with the conversation that is taking place um, uh, during this uh, deliberations on the amendment uh, bill. Secondly, we have raised issues around what is interpreted as concurrency by MECs, meaning 
there is an expectation that embassies are to approve the appointments of of uh, concur with the appointments, whereas the legislation is quite clear the what expected role of embassies are. There's also been questions around interpretation challenges, and they've come out clear this evening as well, based on the opinion presented by the state law advisors. And we will touch on that in in a, in, a, in a slide or two that is to come. We have raised the issues of limitation of political rights. We've made an extensive presentation on that. And we've also raised concerns around the continued validity of, of regulations. But we have come to an agreement with COPTA. We were quite comfortable with that agreement to introduce stability um, within the sector um, as we as we speak. So, so out of all of these areas, Chair, what remains on the radar screen is this third bullet point. The interpretation around if the employment contracts for managers directly accountable to municipal managers should be for a fixed term period or for a permanent uh, basis. And, 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 and we will focus largely on this in our input. Now, <clears throat> we have previously said to the committee, and we're not going to remind the committee, these are the current provisions in the System Act that are under discussion. The subsections uh, 6 and 7 of Section 57 of the of the of the original uh, principal act and now the proposal for the deletion of uh, 57-7 of the of, of the act. So so what we have raised as practical challenges, which, which will become clearer, Chair, in our following presentation, is this issue of when we came to the, the committee on the 25th of February this year, we said our concerns looking at the practical challenges is that there are certainly differing approaches being taken by municipalities on the appointment of senior managers. Some municipalities are electing to appoint on a fixed term basis. Some municipalities are electing to appoint on a permanent basis. There is an interpretation and a view expressed by COCTA. There is an interpretation and a view expressed by, by SALGA itself. And today we were also received the state law advisor's opinion on that. And we, we have been quite concerned about this development. Um, and and in our view, in our view, and we've been saying this, um, uh, and we, we will indicate we are not the only ones who hold this view, that in our view, there is still a discretion to a municipality to determine the terms of employment of managers directly accounted to municipal managers. And, and, and as such, municipalities can appoint on a fixed term basis or on a permanent basis. That has been the SALGA uh, view the, uh, on, 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 on the matter, Chair. We have heard from COCTA, we're not going to repeat, but we just want to create the, paint the full picture. We have heard from COCTA in the last uh, uh, committee uh, discussions on the bill on the the what cocktail's views are what will be introduced by having permanent uh, employment. So these are some of uh, the the negative areas um, that Cocta has raised that finds expression within the local government space when people are on a fixed uh, 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 appointed on fixed term contract 
and COPTA has recommended as they did uh, previously and do so today, that these are the positive things that we are going to see. And we're not going to repeat these things. COPTA has, has spoken on length on this. But what we have done, Chairperson, um, we, we thought as Salga, we will go to our members and test this thinking with our members uh, through a quick survey that we've conducted. So, so after the last meeting, we went back to our municipalities, all of them, and we said to them, can you assist us with information? Because we want to test these uh, views that are being raised based on what finds expression within local government itself. So, so we did the survey, and what we wanted to do is to assess a number of things. How many senior managers are appointed on a permanent basis as we speak in July 2020? Not far long ago, as we speak in July 2020. How many managers are appointed on a permanent basis? How many are appointed on a fixed term basis? Where they are appointed on a fixed term basis? For what term of period are they or period are they appointed? What has been, comparatively speaking, the recent municipal audit outcomes as announced by the AG on the 1st of July for municipalities with permanent senior managers and municipalities with fixed term uh, contracts. We've taken it a, a step further. We've also asked, comparatively analyzing the Section 139s since 2011, and the reason why we use 2011, Chair, is because the Amendment Act of 2011 came into effect then, and and it is then that municipalities started appointing people on either on a permanent basis in the main, but because continuously there has been the fixed term contract. So, so we tested since the appointment of permanent uh, senior managers from 2011, which municipalities have, comparatively speaking, uh, appointed senior managers and or fixed term and what has been their status in terms of Section 139 interventions. So we went the survey and we we got feedback, uh, Chairperson, from 95% of, uh, of the municipalities. And this is the picture that, that it comes out of that survey. And all we are throwing to you, Chairperson, is what the survey is telling us. And here is the picture that is presented, and we have the detail. We can give the detail and the detail what it does, it breaks down for each of the provinces and in each of the municipalities, how many people are appointed on a permanent basis, how many are appointed on a fixed term basis, and for what period are they appointed, where they're appointed on a fixed term basis. Also, what has been the audit outcomes and what has been the section 139 status uh, over the last uh, nine years. But if we compare permanent versus fixed term contracts, you will see across the provinces, there are four provinces, pre-state, Limpopo, Pumalanga, and Northwest, that have not appointed any permanent senior managers. So in all provinces, no permanent senior managers. But you will find on the remaining five provinces, there are some senior managers that have been appointed. And the numbers that appear there are the number of senior managers appointed. Then you would also see the number of fixed-term employees at the senior management level. And then the last column shows you the total. Now, if you look at this picture, Chair, 
the first point we want to make is that these appointments that have been made, all of these appointments that have been made would have been made by a municipal council, firstly, and secondly, there would have been a communique by the municipal council to an MEC to say, these are the appointments that we have made as prescribed by the law. These are the appointments that we have made. Uh, we are communicating to you to assess whether the processes have been duly followed. So for all of these uh, appointments, MECs would have uh, uh, um, assessed the appointment and where there were problems, they would have raised concerns. So, so when I say Salga is not the only ones that that held the view that senior managers may be appointed on either permanent or a fixed term basis, you can certainly see MECs that did not find any problems with these 890 appointments in these municipalities held the same view as Salga. Um, so, so if you want to go to the Western Cape as an example, because it's consistently used as an example, if you look at the picture here, it's almost half, half, almost 50% uh, senior manager permanent, 50% uh, um, 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 on a fixed term basis. So here you certainly have an MEC that would have interpreted the the systems act the same way that Salga is interpreted because that MEC would have in inverted commas concurred with these appointments uh, that have been made. That's the first point we want to make. It's not a Salga interpretation. You can certainly see across the provinces there has also been the interpretation of MECs uh, in the provinces because if it was not that interpretation, they would not have they would have raised issue with all of these 809 appointments made uh, of senior managers on a fixed term uh, basis. But the second point I want to make here is this picture here of 84%. So you certainly see that there's an overwhelming preference by municipalities to appoint senior managers on a fixed term uh, basis. And that is the, the picture that uh, uh, that is painted based on the survey that we have conducted. Secondly, Chair, on the audit outcome. So what we have merely done in this slide, we are similarly taking the approach of a, a provincial picture. We have taken the different, the six types of audit outcomes as determined by the AG for the last 2018-19 uh, financial year. So clean, unqualified, qualified, adverse, disclaimer, outstanding. So four municipalities that have appointed permanent staff, senior managers, you will see in the Western Cape, seven have obtained clean audits. You will see across the provinces that have senior managers, 22 municipalities have attained unqualified but you must also look at the fifth slide. So this is the positive side, Chairperson. The seven and 22 is the positive side. But let's also see on the flip side. So you have four municipalities that have permanent employees with disclaimers. And you have two municipalities with permanent employees with outstanding audits. 
we'll pause there on the slide, Chair. But what it tells you is that there are two sides of the coin when you deal with permanently appointed senior managers. Similarly, we have done the same exercise for fixed term contracts. We're not taking a position. We're just saying this is what the survey is telling us. It says to us across the provinces, there are 14 municipalities that have appointed fixed term uh, uh, contract senior managers and they have obtained clean audits. 75% of 75 of them also unqualified. That is the positive side. But we also have the negative side here. 25 disclaimers with fixed term contracts, 21 outstanding audits with fixed term uh, contracts. Again, two sides of the coin. There is positive and there is negative. So we bring the two together, Chair, so that you can see the picture on a single slide. So, so we present to you the picture of permanent employees and the, and the related audit outcomes versus the picture of fixed term contracts and audit outcomes. And here you can see uh, if you if you if you, if you compare total, there's a higher number of fixed term positive results. There's a higher number on on clean audits. There's a higher number on unqualified. But it could be informed by the number of municipalities that have preferred uh, fixed term contracts. But you also see the flip side that there's an overwhelming number of municipalities with negative audit outcomes where there is fixed term contracts. But there's also not, certainly not, a convincing picture that says if you are permanently employed, there is a, a consequence in consequent improvement in your audit outcomes because yes and this is what the picture uh, is telling us so so that is the picture fixed term versus permanent and the related audit on section 139 interventions chair a very similar picture across the provinces for municipalities that have appointed permanent employees there are examples two of them in the case at end and two of them in the Western Cape. So four municipalities with, with permanent employees have been subjected to 139s. But also, there are 95 municipalities across all of the provinces with fixed-term contracts that have uh, um, uh, also been subjected to Section 139. What we're trying to say to you, Chair, is that certainly you see both sides of the coin. So uh, uh, there is no guarantees. Essentially, there is no guarantee that you are not going to have a good audit outcome. You are not going to have you are, you are, you are going to have a good audit outcome or you are going to not be subjected to 139 if you have permanent um, um, employees. And this is the picture that is being presented to us through through the survey. So not something that we have thumbs up. It is what is coming from based on the information to present it. So in summary, Chair, what the survey confirms certainly to us is that an overwhelming number of municipalities still prefer the fixed-term contracts and continue to appoint people on a fixed-term basis vis-a-vis uh, -vis the permanent appointments. We also want to advance a view based on the 
outcomes of the survey is that permanent and secure clean audits. But so too, does, can we, we can't similarly confirm the same for fixed term contracts. So we can't convincingly say that either or is better. Um, uh, secondly, thirdly, we're also saying that as much as municipalities with fixed term senior managers have obtained disclaimers, we have also presented through the results that municipalities with permanent senior managers also have disclaimers. And the same point could be made for section 139 interventions. With fixed term senior managers, there are section 139 interventions, but also for permanent senior managers, that section 139 interventions. So the overwhelming, the, the, the main point we want to make, Chair, we can't reach a conclusion, certainly not based on the, the data that, that came out through this survey, that, that municipalities are more stable or they perform better if senior managers are permanently appointed. If you look at your, at your metros, um, Chair, and this thing came out uh, last week, Thursday, in a meeting of the National Executive Committee. All of our metros, it is only Buffalo City that has all of its senior managers appointed on a permanent basis. Of all of the metros, let me repeat, Chair, of all of the metros, it is only Buffalo City that has the entire senior management, ex excluding the, the city manager, appointed on a permanent basis. And the mayor of Buffalo City stood up in the meeting and he said, there is no benefit, certainly from their own experience, there is no direct benefit that things will improve with permanent people. While certainly that has not been his experience in his time as the mayor, uh, now serving his second term uh, there in, the, in, that, in that municipality. He's certainly not saying that, uh, confirming that, them being the only ones with permanent um, uh, senior managers that there's been positive spin-offs uh, because of the appointment of their managers on a, senior, uh, on a permanent basis. The second last slide, Chair, before I conclude, we want to make this point uh, linked to the earlier point that we have made around there is a need for an overhaul of the Systems Act and it is linked to this slide that we have presented earlier, but we want to highlight two areas. So for municipal managers, we are based on the current argument uh, from COCTA, we are saying that municipal managers must continue to have fixed term uh, employment contracts and their employment contracts must be linked to a year of the term of office of the council that appointed them. So the question we want to ask, what informs this thinking? So if there's a different thinking for senior managers, what informs the thinking that for municipal managers, this limitation must still apply? So, so we are saying there is a need for us to ask this question. If we want to breathe life into professionalizing local government. Why are we there not say the entire staff complement? Why are we then still retaining 
One other reasons that we are advancing to say no, a municipal manager is the exception. He must be linked to the term of office of a council. Do those same reasons not apply to senior managers as it currently does? The same reasons that people advance. So we are saying we are talking about senior managers, but we are leaving behind the municipal managers. Um, so, so why are we still retaining that argument for municipal managers um, uh, if there's a broader argument around um, uh, uh, professionalization? And that's the point what we are saying, Chair. There is a need for us to really look into because we, we are dealing with things piecemeal. We need to look holistically at the systems uh, uh, act and overhaul it in its entirety and do that once and for all and not do it in bits and pieces and leave others behind. So what we would want to recommend, uh, Chair, is the, is the last slide, J just to note the, the recent survey that, um, uh, but we would also want the, the, the committee to give serious consideration to our supplementary submission, which, which we would want to propose that in our view, the discretion that is is currently applying to councils to appoint senior managers on either a fixed term or a permanent basis should be retained. So the current experience should be retained. We certainly do not think that we are ready. The system is not ready for permanent employment of staff. There is a lot of work that needs to be done. We are not there yet. Secondly, we would want to, in addition, propose that if that discretion remains, that we must ensure and provide that embassies continue to appoint, to, to monitor the appointment in line with the legislative framework so that embassies can say when municipalities are applying that discretion, what informs the application of that discretion as part of them monitoring the appointment of senior managers. And lastly, we think that it is time, uh, Chairperson, we have made attempts, but we have not dealt with it um, holistically. It is time for a rigorous performance management system to be introduced where performance of municipal staff starting at the senior management level are properly assessed and that appropriate correction action is taken where it is necessary so that we can get rid of the bad apples um, um, that we do find within the local government's place. And then lastly, Chairperson, in line with our earlier proposal, we think there must be urgent work commissioned to totally overhaul the Systems Act instead of dealing with things piecemeal as we are currently doing, Chairperson. That's our, that's our presentation, Chair. Thank you very much. Okay. Thank you so much, Lance. Colleagues, so we have all the three presentations. Can we engage on them? I believe uh, Councillor Stofile, you'll be able to also assist in providing the responses if members will have questions. And as you do that, then I'll give you an opportunity to say any other things if 
through the questioning, you feel there were matters that were not adequately uh, attended to. Colleagues, can I see a show of hands who wants to interact with this presentation? Because I were the first one. I noted you, Honorable Kaiser. Then Inkosilu Tuli. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. The fact that and, uh, wait, wait, Kaiser. And Hussein also. Hussein as well. Drink, please. Mkalipi, Direko, and Brink. Hadebe with H. And Hadebe with H. So it's the seven of you. Did I miss somebody's classroom? Lutuli? Hussein, Mkalipi, Jireko, Brink, and Hadev, in that order. And Grunewald, chairperson. And Grunewald. Grunewald. Who else is it, Kevin? So, yes. Thank you, Chair. It's on. Thank you, Chair. It's, you know, if you look at uh, Salka's uh, presentation, uh, I don't know what that page is. It's fixed terms contract uh, audit outcomes, number of money quality. Uh, you, 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 according to that survey, Chair, you, you are surely to see that there is no guarantee. That, uh, that it, it looks like people when they when they get permanent work they they, they relax there according to that to that uh, survey there it looks like really everyone is relaxing 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 all the way to two point to two to to nine percent there so 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 it it, it just uh, covers me in terms of uh, uh, whether whether there is a guarantee or not of people, whether, even though we are of the view that uh, people must be must find uh, uh, good working conditions uh, at work and be and be and be employed uh, uh, under under good circumstances. But well, what I'm think what what where I'm coming from, chair, is that perhaps uh, what 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 Salka covers. Uh, in terms of in terms of um, uh, performance, uh, the, the, the monitoring of performance, you know, tighten the money the, the, the monitoring of the of the performance uh, rather because according to that uh, uh, survey, they really because uh, I, it does not look like uh, uh, we 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 are getting to a, a space where we are really. Uh, uh, not creating more problems uh, for 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 municipalities, uh, as 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 my colleagues have said before, that uh, 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 the unintended consequences that could be uh, caused by a municipal manager who is not considered to 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 be permanent uh, when he's when he's uh, uh, um, 
junior is actually permanent, uh, we, we, uh, we will bring about uh, challenges in, in the municipal space. And the, and the more the challenges within the leadership, the more it impacts on the services that, that our people are waiting for on the ground there. Uh, so, so in that sense, according to that uh, survey, I think that uh, Saga then covers me in terms of uh, that, even though uh, we are of the view that really in terms of the conditions of the Employment Act, uh, uh, they must apply uh, all the time, consistently with anyone in South Africa that is, that is working. Uh, regardless of whether he's a, he's a municipal manager that is accountable to, to the to the to the to the municipal manager or not, uh, uh, thank you very much, Chair. Thank you, Honourable Tlesa. Honourable uh, Lutuli. Thank you very much, Chair. We have we have. The, the last one, I, I can say the last one to me as a Salka. Really, Salka is, 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 is in my shoes. I can say that. Uh, I, I'm with them because the way they analyze this, what we are talking about, it's uh, it's very clear that uh, Salka knows exactly what what they are doing because that uh, I was querying it before just because of the it's just because of the if the manager it it it, it managers under the municipality manager they are permanent knowing that uh, a person whose, whose job is to look after the people will be permanent, but at the same time, those people, the, the very same person, he will take the job as, their, as, as, as his home, not, not on, on job. Uh, really, uh, I would not like to to, to expand more because I, it's, it's, they, they covered me, uh, showing that uh, we were opposing this because it, it will create a problem. And then the, the, at last, that will be the job of of, of the, the 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 chairman of that time, because we will never know. Next year we won't be here. Twenty two thousand and twenty four. Sometimes we we will be not be here, but we must must have a stepping stone so that things will go right. From on our on our on our on our time, we must make it this thing look right till the end. Because really, I, I was not I was not comfortable. Really, okay, to me, I was not comfortable at all. But now I will say that I'm comfortable about the proposal of the Salka because. 
Salka is the one who's dealing with those people, who's dealing with the municipalities, the municipality affiliated under them. They got a lot of job to be done at this present moment. I think they are making even their job will be easier from today onwards. Thank you very much, Chair. Okay. The next speaker is Honorable Hussein. Thank you, Nda Honorable Hussein. Chair, thank you. Uh, if you don't mind, I'm not going to use the camera. May I just say, Chair, uh, I think, and uh, I want to just express uh, my appreciation for the for, for that study that Salga had done. I think, uh, I mean, you know, I, I, I keep seeing the plays of Salga, especially when it comes to the quality of the documents and the research and the effort that they put into it. So, Lance, thank you very much. Uh, I know I was teasing you earlier about about the work uh, that you do, but really the, the quality of that uh, study, I think, is, is really very, very good. And thank you very much. I, I would like to use that to spend a little bit more time giving some thought to it. But I do think, Chairperson, that uh, perhaps some of the those key result areas that Salga had looked into need to be expanded. I don't think that it should be limited to only those areas that, that they have looked into in respect of audit outcomes and so on. I think that there might there might be other other factors that they want to take into consideration. I think I mean the the reasons that Cocktail had, had advanced in terms of stability, the, the, you know, um, in a number of areas. Um, I think we need to perhaps maybe look deeper into that as well. I remain convinced, Chairperson, that the permanent appointments are a good thing for municipalities. But let me also at the same time be open with with my colleagues on the portfolio committee, and I'll, I'll speak to you like a like a politician to another politician. The bottom line is, Chairperson, as an opposition party, having senior staff on fixed-term contracts suits us. I'll be honest with you. It suits us as a political party for very obvious reasons you can work out. But the question I ask myself is that, does it suit the broader interest of our municipalities when it comes to service delivery? The answer to that is no. So if I have to put the interest of my political party first, I'll say, let's go with the fixed term contract. But if I have to put the interest of the municipality and our country first, I'll say, no, it's the right thing to do is to have permanent appointments. Because some of us come from municipalities for a long time, and we've seen how things have changed between when you have a very stable senior management structure in a municipality and how things change when, how it's changed over a period of time on these fixed term contracts. For the reasons that Cocteau has already advanced, I don't want to go into it and repeat it again. I'll give you a very real case scenario, Chair. And the last comment I think from Cocteau about the levels of corruption is, um, is extremely relevant. And I mean, this is an important part and we must give, all of us must give uh, a lot of thought to it because it has massive implications for municipalities across the country. But imagine somebody is employed for a period on a, a fixed-term contract of of, uh, of three years, and in the last year he knows 
he's, he's not going to be there for a very long time. The propensity for corruption is much greater in that circumstance. Because that man knows that he, he's not going to have a job very soon. So he best do whatever he can to try and put as much money as he can in his pocket because he's not going to have a job for the next year thereafter. So it actually becomes an incentive for corruption if you think about it. And there are many other reasons. What I, I just find a little bit strange in that I would have thought that Kopta and Salga would have come through to us on a, on a combined position on this one, but clearly they're, they're, they're taking two different uh, opposite views and that's okay. Um, but I do think that there needs to be a little bit more in-depth consideration about that proposal. Um, if we want to act in the best interest of our municipalities, Chairperson, I remain on the view that the fixed, the, the fixed term contracts, again, is good for us as opposition parties and you can, you can support it, but it's not good for municipalities on the long run. I think maybe just leave it there, Chair. That's the that's the only comment I wanted to make. I think the point around uh, the uh, question that was raised previously about the constitutionality of of the proposal, I think we can put that to bed now. Uh, it's very clear that it is possible that there isn't any constitutional challenges. What's really left, Chairperson, is the politics around it. I think, and at some point we must just have an open conversation about where we stand on these things so that we know what the direction is going to be and see if we can find each other on it. But thank you very much. Okay. Thank you, Honorable Lawson. Honorable Mkalipi. Okay, Chairperson. Nami, can I please um, switch off my video, Chair? The network is not good in Deben. Okay. Yeah, Chairperson, I just want to also to concur with uh, my colleague, uh, Honorable Hussein, on the points that he just made. Exactly. Thanks from Salga. They always excel when it comes to presentation. They just simplify things for us. And uh, I also want to agree with Salga when they say that um, Instead of looking at this amendment in a piecemeal, maybe it's an opportunity for us to look at it broadly or holistically. As far as I remember, Chair, we are no longer um, trying to to address what the Constitution, what the Constitutional Court said. There's no date now. Maybe it's our opportunity just to look at uh, this amendment with a different perspective. But the fact of the matter is that we as the FF, our standpoint is very clear. We want people to have permanent jobs. And it must be very clear, Chair, that we must not punish our workers on the basis of what is happening on the municipalities, especially the dysfunctionality of the municipalities is not squarely because of the workers. Um, having said that, Chairperson, I should think that the dysfunctionality of municipalities is comprises of many things, which sometimes is beyond workers, is beyond the staff members of each municipality. And we have been saying this here as 
Comrade Hussein was saying, sometimes we have to talk as politicians if we want to go and make sure that what is wrong in the municipality must be fixed and we must talk honestly. Uh, I know that one of the aspects that we want to achieve, all of us, at a municipality level, at Salka level, at department level, is to see the municipalities functioning very well. And the only thing that we have as a weapon is is the uh, staff workers, is it's, um, it's workers on those municipalities. But as long as the element of corruption is not confronted, that one will always, always, always contribute to the dysfunctionality of the municipalities. And it needs also a political will of politicians to deal with such. I know very well that uh, our angle here is, is portfolio committees, as a um, department, is that we want to professionalize uh, the municipalities, which is very correct. But we must not lose sight of what is happening, the real situation, the real problem that caused these municipalities to be dysfunctional is corruption. The second point that I want to make in reference to the presentation made by Salga, when they painted a picture to say that it does not mean that when we have permanent workers, it means that the problem is solved. I also raised this point to Chairperson last time when we discussed this matter. To say all of us here, irrespective of political parties, we are very concerned of what is happening. And all of us, we have taken a posture to say that let us, rather than saying that it's ANC is failing, but let us all come with sort of solutions. Because even if it's ANC who's failing at a municipality level, but as a citizen of Eteguini, I got affected as well. So therefore, let us all put together our heads to come with solutions to this problem. So therefore, I'm saying, Chair, to, to take care of our workers is a good thing to do. And secondly, we said, or I said, we need to strengthen the capacity of each municipality now to deal with internal processes. Because the dominating view last time was to say that if we agree to amend that particular sections that will make senior managers to be permanent uh, and they will be accountable to municipal managers who are not permanent, it means that the municipal managers will be forever undermined by these people who are permanent now. They will say that you will find me here and you leave me here. So it means if they don't want to cooperate with the MM, we said to the department, please share with the intervention strategy, the policies that will talk to that particular concern as the committee. Because at the end of the day, we must not have anarchy and the department must lead us in that regard. And also Salka must also help us to say that if we come across with such a situation, what policies all municipalities will put in place? And the third aspect that I also want to engage with the committee chair 
is this issue of a fixed term contract. The issue of a fixed term contract, Chairperson, it's a problem. Even if we can say that there's an amendment in terms of the Labor Relations Act, Section 198B, they're trying to address those challenges. But most of the time, the Labor Court does not have a fixed problem when, when, deal, when, when they deal with the fixed term contract. It's a really problem. So therefore, as Uhulumeni, as a government, it can't be correct, it can't be political correct to say that our people, they must be subjected to the fixed term contract forever. Especially if you are saying that it's because they are going to undermine those people who are in a fixed term contract. So therefore, that's why I understand very well when Salka says, instead of addressing this thing in a piecemeal, let us address it broadly to look at a broadly level or holistically uh, this amendment. It will help us a lot because our problems are many. And uh, the Labor Relations Act, most of the time, uh, they relied on the court, the Labor Court, when the judges are pronouncing on each case. For instance, our legal advisor here, if you if you you remember, Chair, she used many court cases here. And when you go and also check in terms of the Labor Relations Act, that is the case as well. The judge on this case have ruled. The judge on this case have ruled differently to that one. So it's an ongoing problem to try to fix a problem of fixed term contract. So therefore, I totally agree with Honorable Hussein to say that we need to have a political way. And I thought that the department was going to assist us in that regard to say, okay, they have uh, presented in terms of consultation, which is you know, it's good to get a, a sense, we get a clear picture. But when it comes now to each and every municipality, if you remember very well, the, docu- the two documents or the two presentations from Salka and the department does not talk to each other. Uh, the DDG, Teboho, uh, is saying that particular in, in Etekuni municipality is a number of people who are permanent and there is a um, good result on those bases. When, when Salka comes, they said, no, that is not the case. And then they put slides here. So I agree with said to say that I would have thought that Salka and the department will have sit down. Like, they, do remember, Chair, when we were dealing with the water pots? Uh, Salka, the department, were coming with various aspects or various opinions, and we said to them, no, go and sit together. We need you to come together and come to this joint political committees with one voice. But it's fine because it also helps the members of the committee to take an informed decision on the basis of the two presentations that does not talk to each other. But I'm saying that the department is telling us that no, there is positive things according to these municipalities that are a part and parcel of ILGM, and Salka is coming saying, no, that is not true. But the mere fact here, the standpoint here, is to say that we can't punish our people on the basis that in South Africa, the rate of unemployment is too high, and the government is also contributing uh, in terms of hiring people to have jobs. 
and as individuals get here and uh, as mothers as fathers as parents we also have children so i don't think that i will be very happy if my 13 year old girl when she have arrived to the stage whereby she's looking for a job and then now there is a law or there is an act that me as her mom agreed that when she go and join the labor forces when she comes back home said hey my mom i got this job but it's not permanent we must think futuristic we must not think now so that's why i'm saying those challenges that we have in the municipalities it will need clear policies human resource policies to deal with those things at municipal level because we can't accept an anarchy whereby we are going to be told that in this municipality there is a problem of a senior manager who does not respect an mm on the basis that the mm is not on permanent basis those are the petty issues that needs each municipality that needs the department to attend to it i mean we also coming from political parties whereby we have staff members here and we don't accept anarchy in our political parties so we address those issues through the policies even here that could be the case so let me pause broadly person and hoping that we still have to engage as committee members but i want to make it very clear that let us allow our own people it's good especially for young people who want to join the labor force to become permanent ogunye nogunye ongama challenges will address as we go but we can't be saying to our people no you must uh, be slaves forever because you are going to undermine the mm thank you chair Thank you so much, Honorable Mkalipi. Honorable Direko. Yes. Uh, thank you, Chairperson. Uh, I've seen the consultation done by a copter, but I'm still of view that the consultation is not good enough for us to take uh, such decision. And looking at the two presentations, you can pick it up that there was no proper consultation between Cocta and Salga. And it makes one question the, 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 the method of consultation, because when you speak of local government, the first uh, point of uh, departure in consultation should be Salga, should be labor movement in the municipalities. So I just want to check if was there any consultation with Salga before the decision was taken, before the proposal? Was there any consultation with labor movement before this proposal was brought to us? And uh, secondly, Chair, I think it's Honorable Teza who are saying, look, looking at the Salga presentation, there is no guarantee that the good performing municipalities are as a result of the permanent position. In my experience, for the municipality to perform, it's for good, good governance and other factors. So if they're saying that uh, it's because of the permanent position, which guarantee do we have that is because of those permanent position? Uh, I also need uh, clarity on that matter. And I think, uh, Chair, the presentation of Salga gives us hope. 
it's the realities of what is happening on the municipalities. It's not biased towards any particular view, but it's an open-minded uh, uh, presentation. That needs us to, 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 to think thoroughly through that presentation and make an informed decision. Chair, uh, if I'm arguing that uh, uh, the consultation is not enough, I'm not saying people should not be permanent, but I'm saying this because our systems down there are not ready. We need to, 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 to understand that as much as we want this, but there are realities that we are facing uh, on, the, on the ground uh, level. So I think the proposal or the, the, the proposal that was mentioned or something, it was mentioned, I think, by Salga, whereby they said that maybe we should also explore the possibilities of each and every municipality deciding for themselves. So that at least because the situation of municipalities differ from one municipality to another. And in this situation, I think it will be better if we treat each case by its own merit. Let's not apply a blanket uh, approach, which will come back to haunt us. So my proposal and the other issue on this proposal, Chair, it speaks about only senior managers. Are we not creating an elephant in the room by the name of the MM? If the MM is not permanent, others are permanent. What are we saying about this elephant in the room? Should we agree to this proposal? So now my proposal, Chair, is that can we please have a comprehensive consultation and allow a COCTA together with SALGA to sit together and meet with all the relevant stakeholders in the municipalities and thereafter come back to us with a consolidated a, a proposal whereby it does not disagree with one another. Uh, thank you, Chair. That's my, 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 my submission. Okay. Thank you, Honorable Director. The next uh, speaker, my apologies, it's uh, Honorable Brink. Thank you, Chair. Uh, with your permission, I'm not going to switch on my video because okay, my internet connection is not at its best. Is, is the power back? The power is back indeed. Um, oh, that's nice. I think uh, Honorable Hadeve is in the same place as me, so his power is also back. Uh, Chair, I think uh, we can draw three conclusions from what has been presented to us. And uh, I don't necessarily agree with colleagues what uh, all of the conclusions they've drawn, but this is what I see. Number one, it's apparent that there's no legal impediment to the proposal of making Section 56 permanent. It's not, it's not uh, a labor or constitutional law impediment. You can do that freely. I think as is the case in the National Public Service, where the, the official at the top is one or two of the uh, layers at the top are on fixed term and the rest are permanent. The second conclusion is that COGTA, the national department, uh, consulting various provinces and taking into account international experience, give the advice that the permanent appointees on, uh, on that level is better for governance in the long term. Um, I I don't you know this I'm not a member of of, of this government uh, chair I'm in the opposition 
So I, you know, I'm not directing any of this. I just have to listen to what they say and, and, and the argument sounds plausible. Uh, and the, 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 the final conclusion here is that Salga has done a survey of its members and its result is inconclusive. It says that some municipalities that have fixed term Section 56 appointees do well, and some that have uh, these permanent appointees don't do well. Um, some of the uh, clean audits are on the side of these municipalities, others are not. So in essence, it's a neutral outcome. It's neither here nor there. So Salga falls back onto its original position that municipalities should have the choice. but. Uh, I don't think Salga has made the point that their research points to sticking to this current uh, status quo. It's just because there's no, their survey hasn't given them a, a persuasive, clear answer either way. So, so I, I think it's important to make the point that let's not make of Salga's position more than it in fact is, which is uh, a, a you know, a neutral, neutralized position. And and going from that, uh, Chair, you know, we can say that we need more consultation, which, which might be a good point. Um, but maybe this isn't a point of consultation. Maybe, you know, maybe we just don't agree on, on the, the conclusions. But to say we need more consultation in the hope that, yeah, I'm not sure, I'm not this 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 legislation has been dragging on for so long. It's got serious implications for the future. We need finality. Um, parliament and government is way uh, beyond the timeline that the that the constitutional court gave us to fix this. So I, I'm not entirely sure that that more consultation beyond what was already presented in some fair amount of detail um, would be of any utility. Maybe this, you know. It's just a, a difference of policy or opinion, but you know I, I don't want to preempt that. Um, so, so those three conclusions, Chairperson, and then um, in response to um, what what uh, Lance has said, um, two important points I think. The one is that, um, and, and I, in fact, this is a question I want to put to to Lance as well as. Um, as well as Cogta, Salga as well as Cogta. The first is that having a whole lot of fixed term contract positions is premised on the availability of a large pool of people who apply for these jobs um, and have the necessary skills. So they come, they come into the positions, they go out, there's a, there's a big availability. And by extension, it means that we think that people who are in the private sector um, will also apply for these jobs. Because that's what this idea of having fixed term contracts in the public sector is premised on, so that the public sector can benefit from people who move uh, from, from other sectors. And that there's this free interchange um, of, of skills. But and, and this is why I'm asking Salga and Cogta. I think we can agree that that is not the position. 
the local government sector isn't very good at drawing people from the private sector to come and work in fixed term contract positions for government. Um, the barriers to entry to serve in a section 56 position in terms of your uh, you know, reg regulatory exams that you need to pass the qualifications, it's high. It's, it's usually public sector people, whether working for municipalities or for other spheres of government that apply for these jobs. Private sector people don't for various reasons. Um, and so if, if that premise for having fixed term contracts is removed, then it sort of prompts you to think of, should we not cultivate a specific, um, let me use this word, cadre of officials who are dedicated to public service? So a, a, a professional core of officials who um, work for government, who work in the, in the public sector. Then lastly, to answer the question of why don't, why is it that we stick to a fixed term contract municipal manager, but not direct reportees to the municipal, you know, Lance was saying, why shouldn't we just make the uh, municipal manager also permanent if the argument is to make his direct reports perma uh, permanent? And I think the simple answer to that is that having the municipal manager on a fixed term contract gives the political leadership a lever over the administration. Um, it is a lever that you can use and that you can change without disrupting the entire top management of the of the municipality every five years. So it is a more precise and more exact way of gaining that control. And then, of course, you have to have proper disciplinary processes in place. You have to have proper performance management uh, processes in place. But that, that's also true of, of fixed-term contract employees. You can't just get rid of it. You, you might be able to, to pay them out. But in, in essence, the, the, the cost of getting rid of a poor-performing fi fixed-term contract employee is in essence the same as of a permanent employee. Um, but those are my, my views. Uh, thank you, Chair. Thank you, thank you, Honorable Chair. Uh, I will uh, not switch on my mic, Chair, but uh, let me welcome the presentation. Unfortunately, I did not get to hear other presentation, but I logged in on time to the essence of what um, the department was presenting, and I've uh, had a, a privilege to to hear the entire presentation of of, of Salga. But I have uh, gone through all this presentation uh, before this meeting, so I I got the sense and understand the gist. Chair, I am very impressed with the presentation from Salga, given the scientific nature and approach in relation to. Uh, the 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 the, the data presented to us um, in in that they are giving us what's actually happening on on, on the ground, and one must say chair upfront that what Salga is uh, given to us it's not 
to say they are opposing the issue of permanent. Uh, it simply means that what we are dealing with, uh, the situation in our municipalities, it's not a homogeneous uh, situation. It's not a one-size-fits-all. As such, uh, municipalities won't be prohibited from considering or adopting what they think is applicable and suitable for them based on the material condition in the different municipalities. Now, for us to adopt an approach that says, let us leave to individual municipality to decide what is the suitable and base approach for them, I think that will be a brilliant move. It's a, 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 a common sense uh, given what the data was presented to us. There are negatives on those municipalities who have permanent uh, 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 Section 56 managers. There are positive as well, including those who have fixed term uh, uh, Section 56. There are positive, there are negatives. So as such, Chair, the only logical thing to do it's for us not to be prescriptive. Uh, let us not apply 10 commandments when they say thou shall not steal, uh, thou shall not commit adult. It is like that until Jesus comes back. Let us afford municipalities, those who are in the cold phase of service delivery, who understand their situation. And uh, with the concurrence of the MECs, they will be able to apply and adopt a solution that is applicable to them. What I like about this solution, Chair, is that it does not uh, uh, prohibit them from adopting a permanent approach. It also does not prohibit them from adopting a fixed-term contract. So in that sense, Chair, uh, I think as and when uh, the, the time is right, like Salga has put it, as and when we are ready, we can be able to move in unison, speaking with one voice. But for now, I strongly recommend or propose that we adopt the view of SALGA. It's scientific, it's based on the current status quo and the material condition in each and every municipality. I thank you. Thank you, Honorable Hadeva. The next speaker is Honorable Konevald. Thank you, Chairperson. Chairperson, with your admission, um, of your permission, I would like to request to keep my video off. Although the power is back in Acacia Park, my lights aren't. So I'm sitting in the dark still. Um, so if you, if it's fine, if can I keep my camera off? Finally arrived in Cape Town. Yeah, and I've been here from since yesterday. Thank you, ma'am. Chairperson, no. Um, and how was the cruise? It was a long cruise, uh, honorable chairperson. <laughs> so it's about 1,200 kilometers. So it's it's um, tough if I can state it like that. Okay. Um, thank you, chairperson. Chairperson, um, I want to agree with the latter speakers. Um, if you look, well, before I start, I just quickly want to ask Lance, in terms of his presentation, um, the 13th slide, if I can ask Andele to quickly bring it up. Um, slide 10, 11, and 12. 
Andile. 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 Andile, bring the slides. Hollande himself is there. Yes, Lance has got it. Um, um. So, Chairperson, the reason I ask is because everybody's referring to the figures, and I think it's important that we have clarity on it then. If you look at um, slide 10, you say that there's seven clean audits out of the 52 municipalities that have permanent employees. If you can go on to the next slide. Lance, we can go to the fixed term one. Chairperson, can you still hear me? Yes, we hear you. Yes, yes, we can. Okay, I'm going to go on so long, Chair, but on the next slide, it says fixed term contracts. And out of the fixed term contracts, there's 14 clean audits out of 207 municipalities. And then on slide 12, we put them next to each other and we say that the seven municipalities is 33% of clean audits and the 14 is 67%. I want to differ when you put those two together. Um, if you have seven municipalities out of 52 municipalities that have clean audits, you get a total of 13.46% of the total municipalities have clean audits. That's on permanent appointments. And on fixed term appointments, you only have a 6.6% or 6.7% um, of them that have clean audits. And then if you put those two next to one another, um, not as the slide in 12, then you get that 33.23% of your fixed term contracts have clean audits, but on your permanent contracts, you have a 66.76% um, of clean audits. So if you want to, to put the one versus the other one, I would say that we mustn't just take the uh, numbers directly because there's only seven out of 52 and then 14 out of 207. Um, so I've quickly calculated the disclaimer as well. I'm not going to do everybody, everyone, but the disclaimer, we say that on permanent contracts, we have four disclaimers out of 52. It amounts to 7.6%. And on a fixed term contracts, we say that we have 25% of 25 municipalities out of 207 that has a disclaimer. As the slide shows, it is um, on the calculation that Lance has done is to say that 68% of those 25 of 68% is a disclaimer and 40% on permanent contracts. When I go and look at the calculation, when you put apples with apples together, you get that on the fixed term contracts, you have a 61.3% disclaimer, and on your permanent contracts, a 38.16% uh, um, of disclaimer. So, Chairperson, if I look at the, the, the figures that Lance gave through in terms of uh, the survey that they've done, it is quite clear that when there's a permanent appointment, you actually have a better, can I say, audit outcome. But then I also want to agree with Brent to say that it is actually inconclusive. Um, there's no, not one that we can say is doing better than the other one. 
So my two cents that I want to add, uh, Chairperson, is to say that it doesn't matter to which side it goes, that what decision, uh, whichever decision we take, we have to take into account that the taxpayers want value for their money. Um, and that's why I want to agree with uh, Honorable Kalipi to say that when we look at municipalities, we mustn't look at it in terms of political parties. We must see that it's all people on the ground that suffers when a municipality closed down or cannot do service delivery. And we must guarantee that it doesn't matter what we're doing, that we give value to the taxpayers in that municipality. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you. Allow me not to, to, to use the video. Okay. Um, Chair, uh, let me also uh, come in and really agree with the latter speakers to say whether it is permanent or it is a fixed term, let us really allow municipalities to see uh, to, or to decide what is it that they want. I also want to, to, to check with Salga uh, because I'm really also impressed with the audit, with the, the work that they have done in terms of understanding what is happening at the local municipality level, because it's where things are happening. And uh, I think maybe if we can check, because they, according to their survey, uh, the audit outcomes uh, are not really as what we have heard from the survey or maybe the report, the first report that we have received is to say, uh, municipalities with uh, uh, fixed term uh, contracts are getting bad uh, audit outcomes as compared to permanent. Uh, maybe if we can move a, a little bit back and check before those are, that are having a permanent uh, uh, management managers that are in those municipalities, what were the outcomes before they become uh, permanent, and then we will also know wh what is it that we, we are uh, going to do. And also, Honorable Chair, on the issue of if a person have got, is on a fixed uh, uh, contract, knowing that at the end of next year, she or he might not have a job, I, I, I think I must disagree with that one. You know, uh, whenever people are, I'm from a municipality, whenever people are on fixed term uh, employment, they make sure that they do their best to get the job again tomorrow. I think really everyone wants to secure his or her job so that they can be also there uh, in the next day. Uh, what you call when the, 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 the new council comes in or at the end of their term. And uh, also we, we got here uh, information uh, about the or comments from the Western Cape. I am not sure 
uh, we did not hear what uh, where what are the comments from the other municipalities or the other provinces uh, as the Western Cape is now giving, they, we are getting comments from the Western Cape. And uh, you also don't know when was the, 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 the way these comments made, uh, because the documents that are being, are, are being attached does not have a date or a signature as to say uh, this survey or maybe uh, this uh, was done on this date and also the other municipalities. So I'm saying, Let's allow the municipalities to look into the issue of uh, do they want to employ their uh, uh, managers permanently or on a fixed term. But I know when uh, municipalities were supposed to, to employ their senior managers on a permanent basis, it was difficult. But because they were really uh, under the impression or they were told that this is what is supposed to be happening. And then everybody had to follow suit. So I think if we can go down or the department plus Usalga can really sit down and do a survey again and check into the municipalities, what is it that suits them most? Then they will come up with something that will really clarify to us and say, uh, this is what the municipalities are saying. I agree. When people are permanent, they are having a tendency to go and relax. So, Honorable Chair, I'm saying let us really allow Usalga and the department to go back and also the municipalities yes. to, to decide what is it that they want. I thank you, Honorable Chair. Thank you so much, uh, Honorable Kiwi. Some asking who are you? <laughs> it's it's fine. Hey, is our alternative member. Whenever she have time, she does attend this committee meeting. <laughs> What's wrong with you? I'm ready to deal with that. And then, can uh, I? I want to. I said, can I please add one point? My apologies for for interjecting. There's something that I I forgot to add. Mm. Yes, no, sure. I wanted to say uh, also honorable members must bear in mind that uh, these fixed term contracts are performance based contracts that are reviewed annually and such uh, annual review gets tabled to municipal council. So in essence, Chair, there is nothing prohibiting municipalities from uh, renewing uh, these fixed term contracts if they're satisfied that those uh, municipal, I mean, uh, managers are performing and uh, excelling in what they do. I wanted to add that aspect just so that we must not uh, also lose it in, in our debate, that these are uh, performance-based, uh, they can be renewed based on the performance of senior uh, managers. Thank you. Okay. Uh, let me also try to raise this. Since our last meeting, I also did my own research, trying to understand these matters of permanent, fixed, and the rest. Pardon me for those of you who are from uh, the coast. There's a municipality called Sengu. I, I wonder if I'm pronouncing it correctly, in the Eastern Cape. Sengu. Uh, whatever you have it. 
swear to get. <laughs> so, this municipality, if you check it, it has been uh, achieving clean audits. There has been stability of management for the past 20 years under a single MM. This was done due to the council discretion. When his five-year term ends, because the guy was performing, they will continuously renew it because the law doesn't prohibit the number of uh, uh, times that the municipal managers thing can be accounted. In fact, it's not only the MM, as well with the CFO. The CFO has been that municipality, if you have to go and check, for quite some time. So the issue which we are trying to, when I read and trying to analyze what the, this, this submission and the argument for permanent, there's a matter that uh, we are, I think we are not attending to it. The issue of turnover and institutional memory is one important key driver of uh, success. You check the history of this municipality, Sengu, that I've indicated, it had three mayors in 20 years. It means the other served two terms. And their MM started as an intent. I'm trying to raise this issue if we are to talk about permanent. This person started as an intent. He grew up within the institution and the council using his discretion to allow him to work up to this point. So I'm trying to advocate on somebody who has talked about the labor relations things to say. It means then the issue of growth, if you are to deal with that. You put these guys like Becky, who's in his uh, 29th, to be a manager permanent. It means we need to wait for Becky to retire, to develop other potential uh, managers to reach that position. That's the implications of these things, if you are to look at that, to say then it means the growth within the institution will only up to managers because even the everybody is permanent up to whatever so for you to produce other new mms then you'll have to wait until that layer retires that's when you start to to to, to produce mms but i know a, 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 an assistant manager can still apply to become an MM, but you know in the public service you don't need to do that because that's the missing part I don't see. Because for you to become a director in the department, you, you need to have a particular period serving as a deputy director. The same with you to become a chief director in the government department. There's a particular period that you need to serve for you to become a, a, a that's the that missing link when I'm trying to understand that so that you must then be able to qualify to be a, a DDG or chief director in the government department. You know those. They are from, they will tell us. So the issue that I'm trying to raise here to say, if you appoint somebody permanently, then the issues of performances will also be threatened as we will prefer flexibility to use council's discretion to be given a, a, to municipalities. We're raising this because once you, you prescribe it, uh, you will only say your only option is a DC process. 
That's what some Buddhists are going that. So I'm coming to this because Mkengiwe uh, was very uh, vocal on advocating a policy on ensuring that the MM don't get also undermined. And then we've said that because in terms of all this presentation, we don't get this. We were told, in line with what Honorable Guinea has raised, to say there are minimum resolutions to this effect. But the only thing that you see here, you want to tell us it's only the Western Cape that commented on this. And we must go with that view without hearing also what the other provinces are saying. Uh, I really don't understand that on my part. Then I could have wanted to hear the views of the other provinces on these ones. And then in line with what has just been presented to us as well, including this report of the PDG that uh, you have given to us, it's not talking about uh, permanent appointments of uh, these managers. It's only talking about... Uh, uh, MMs fixed term. Then it doesn't talk about, uh, but this is the research study that the department commissioned. Uh, it doesn't shed much light on the permanent appointment of uh, Section 57 managers. Yes, we agree with what uh, the colleagues are saying for. But there's a lot of factors that we did. In fact, where I'm seated now, if um, we should then work on this, I, I, I'll think, remember, when we started this bill, we were told we, there's a constitutional court, a judgment that we need to comply with. And that period lapsed for us as parliament. Uh, then when it lapsed, then it means then, then uh, we, we shouldn't then, we were only then we can then the focus on the 2011 amendments because we wanted to validate that only. But at the same time, when me and you are seated, we are now dealing with municipalities. There are a lot of challenges that they are encountering. So if we will then deal with this one aspect of appointment, because this is our tenure in the Lutolier site. The other time during our induction, we were told that this white paper, 1998, needs to be reviewed because I think all this legislation emanate from that plus the constitution of the country. Why can we then, under the circumstances, because to validate the 2011 amendment with other this other circumstances, and then I think then for us to, for the department also do a holistic regulatory impact assessment in all these legislations that affect Because for us to deal with this, we amend this tomorrow. I don't think we'll have another time to do another amendment before our term. Even if we do that, we'll leave it incomplete. So for me, I think this suggestion to say then, let's fix all the problems which we think we can fix during this term, because on the issue of uh, Section 57 managers thus far and the MM, this legislation is still fine. The issue it was about, when we started, it was about this political rights. So this is a matter of permanent just coming at the tail end. Initially, when we, this thing we're trying to validate what happens in 2011, we're only dealing with the issue of uh, 
political, uh, who should be politically active. That's the issue that we wanted to deal. So this one, you remember, it came at the tail end. And then that's when we told it's based on this consultation. If you are to track when we started deliberating with the bill and the track record on how we dealt with this matter was not there until at the tail end. But from where I'm seated, I think then, because I'm trying to match, I was listening attentively to all of you, to match all your inputs. Uh, to say then, let, let's have a more comprehensive review. When we do that, then let's also have a timeline. And nothing bars us from introducing legislation on our side as a committee. You know that. So that then maybe we ask to have the technical expertise as parliament. Uh, the cabinet road was only this one of uh, uh, validating the 2011 thing. That that's why now we are back to the status quo prior to 2011. Uh, so these are some of the issues that I want um, the colleagues from Salga, the department state law advisor to comment on, then post that, then we'll be able to come with a way forward on this matter. Over to you. I think Yolanda, there was an issue raised by Honorable Kaizang, Dikok is a lot of us, and Salga as well is a lot of us. Let's follow, do it in that way. Um, Chairperson, um, excuse me, I, I cannot recall the issue that um, Honorable Keza had. Could I perhaps just ask for a repeat of that? Honorable Keza? Yes, Chair. Yes. Remember when you started, you were referring to the state law advisor. What were the issues? Chair, I was I was asking about uh, uh, the same the same issues that I I, I had raised uh, pertaining to what Sarka has had raised in in relation as in relation to the. The guarantees between municipal the, the, the municipal managers that account to the municipal manager. Uh, when when they when they are actually employed permanently, because I didn't think that uh, whether the per, they are permanent or not will then uh, translate to the erosion of the culture of corruption as 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 as, as my colleague uh, and senior leader uh, um, uh, honorable Mkhalipi has, has alluded to i didn't think that uh, that will then translate to 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 the erosion of 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 the the the, the corruption the, mis, the the mismanagement of funds and all those things in the municipal in the municipalities and and uh, and that being the the be all of 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 the of the solutions that 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 are pertaining to service delivery uh, in the municipalities uh, 
that those are the issues that I was as I, I I wanted to be appraised on. Jay. Um, Chairperson, if I may, um, perhaps just um, uh, I, I also listened to Salga's and to Kokta's, um presentations. We must just remember that we cannot legislate uh, for for every situation. So, if I understand the Honourable um, Teza correctly, it seems to be more of a of an issue regarding the implementation of the legislation. So what it comes down to is um, there are currently different interpretations of the Principal Act as it stands. Um, as I've alluded to in my legal opinion also, even the courts interpret um, especially Section 57 differently. So um, it is now up to the legislature to, to clarify the, the interpretations. As Salga pointed out, um, also, there, there's different interpretations even between Salga and uh, Kokta as to how the act is currently interpreted. So, um, in my mind, uh, this is more of a political decision whereby, um, as some of the honourable members also proposed, Salga and Kokta must sit together and decide how to approach this uh, from an implementation point of view and from a political point of view and how it would suit most municipalities. And then um, we can fit that into the legislation, but we cannot legislate for all of the situations. So um, we cannot uh, legislate in a way that would guarantee that there wouldn't be corruption. Uh, and we cannot legislate to cover all of the, of the um, gaps that's currently uh, in the municipality's um, implementation of of the legislation, but we can uh, we can give them options. We can give them options on how to implement the law. But for me, uh, it's difficult to really answer to, to um, the honourable member's question because I see it more as a political sort of decision that has to be taken by Cocta together with Salga. And if there has to be more consultation on that uh, on, on that question, yes, certainly. But um, I just want to clarify that it is we cannot legislate for all of those instances. And uh, for now, it's just up to the legislature to clarify the interpretation um, uh, discrepancies that there are. Because as we said, there's a definite differentiation currently between the municipal manager and the manager directly accountable to that manager. So uh, it's a political decision whether um, whether they, that differenti differentiation must be retained or whether they must be placed on the same footing with regard to the um, permanent or uh, fixed appointment. Uh, but unfortunately, we can't, we can't put everything into legislation. Um, we must just make it easier to implement for municipalities. I, I hope that I've sort of addressed uh, the Honourable Member's question. Thanks, Chair. Okay. Mm. Honorable, uh, 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 we are coming to Dikok now. Dikok. Uh, so, sorry, uh, Honorable Chairperson and members. I think uh, 
I will just respond to some of the easy things here and uh, uh, my leadership will then respond to some of the complex matters. But uh, <clears throat> I just want to indicate firstly that uh, uh, there has been consultation with uh, SALGA and also with organized labor on the matters that we proposed. Uh, there's also been a presentation, like I've already indicated, that was done at the technical MINMEC and also at the political MINMEC where SALGA was uh, represented. And the bill, in the form and shape it is, was then presented to that particular forum. Uh, uh, I just want to explain that uh, there was that particular interaction that took place. But of, of most importance is to indicate that in one of the resolutions of MINMEC, at the time also when uh, on, uh, the minister of COCTA, and subsequent to that, there was a resolution by MINMEC that because we were now following this particular process of amending the system like in terms of how it was in 2011, there should be another parallel process that is taking place that involves everyone, including SAGA, to look into the wholesale amendment of the Systems Act. But we need to prioritize issues that are there because of what I'll explain at a later stage. But for now, in relation to the uh, issue of uh, the, the, the wholesale amendment of the Systems Act, a steering committee was formed. And SAGA is also represented, and there is one body also a person from SAGA who sits in the steering committee. And we looked at all the proposed amendments of the Systems Act and its regulations. And there is work that has been done, and uh, there is progress in relation to what should be done. Because just before COVID-19, we were to have a further discussion with uh, what we call drafters to look into now putting bones into the issues that we discuss as the COCTA family that also included SAGA. So that when we have a discussion on the wholesale amendment of um, the of, of, of the system set and its regulations. We are talking of a particular living document. So there's already been work that has been done and uh, uh, Saga is part and parcel of that particular steering committee that is doing work on, on the wholesale amendment of uh, the system set and its regulation. That's one point. The second point that I wanted to clarify maybe in conclusion from my input from my side is in relation to why uh, even after the expiry of the period that was given to us by the Constitutional Court to go through the amendment as we, we had them in 2011 was the following. That there were issues that we included that are there in this bill now that at least made some form of uh, uh, professionalizing local government and making to it that there were minimum norms, norms and standards set by the minister on certain issues. For example, Competency levels of senior managers, uh, having a database of dismissed staff, and also having regulations 
that, that outlines the process in relation to qualifications of people to be appointed in senior management in municipalities, and also included the process of appointment that also had some sort of measures to look into MECs to also have to look at the processes that has been put there to appoint senior managers until up to the minister and up to us, uh, the minister in instances where there is no, there is, there is no compliance, that uh, there should be an approach to court for a declaratory order. So all those other things were institutionalized in order for us to appoint senior managers. And we have seen that through that particular process that was done in 2011, that particular process we have made it possible for us to look into whether the people who come into the sector as senior managers are qualified or not. Now, that, that, that has been institutionalized. Now, the illegality or the unconstitutionality of that particular process will then make municipalities, and this is what is, what is happening now, this is what we had to discuss in Saga in relation to how we are going to deal with this. Because we thought, we thought that if this particular first process of uh, uh, trying to bring back that particular institutional process into being, we will be in a better place to monitor the appointments of senior managers and to see to it that only suitably qualified uh, senior managers are appointed. But in the absence of the 2011 uh, amendments, we run a risk now that municipalities are now not even reporting to MECs, and MECs, as a result, are no more reporting to COPTA in relation to the processes of appointing senior managers. Now, our, our aim all the time was to see to it that uh, even the last administration that was handling this particular process that was then taken over by this new administration was to see to it that if we can then deal with this particular process of 2011 as is uh, 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 in, this new, in, in this new process, and at the same time, we allow the process of the wholesale amendment of the system to continue and fast track. Because when you look at the process, and I think another Way. I'm sorry. In conclusion, when you look at the process of this second portion that I'm referring to, of the wholesale process of amending the system set, it may take a longer period. And in the process, in the absence of us having, uh, of Parliament having gone through and uh, finalizing this particular bill, we will have some sort of a lacuna in relation to us having that institutional arrangement continue. We are having a discussion with Saga like Lance has indicated in relation to what then should be done. But uh, our main priority was in relation to it. I think I thought that I, 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 may, I might have to explain that uh, so that um, the issue that honorable members are raising of uh, uh, we need to look at the, the whole uh, 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 municipal system set and also the structure set, which is also already in the process of being of going through the, 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 the parliamentary process. We, we felt that. Uh, in the absence of this, we might have a problem in relation to seeing to it that we appoint competent and relevant people because in the absence of this bill being finalized, municipal, municipalities may appoint any other person because we do not have uh, competencies that has, because the minister will, will not be having those regulatory powers that were given to her in 2011. And that may take, for example, the process of this wholesale amendment of the system that may take two to three years. That may create a problem for us in you know, monitoring the appointment of senior managers. That's what maybe I, I wanted to clarify that. Thank you.
Salga. Salgam. Lance will start if with your permission, Chair. Okay. Thank you very much, um, uh, Chairperson, and, and, and again, the um, appreciation to members for the contributions and um, and questions that came through. Um, I, I, I will first start by focusing on, on the members' specific questions uh, to ourselves, uh, Chairperson. Uh, the, the first, uh, I, I thought, uh, Honorable Brunk, uh, directed the question to us in making a specific suggestion and then asking a related question and it relates to introducing professionalism within uh, the local government space with a, a particular focus on broadening the net uh, in terms of creating or making local government attractive to those that are in the private sector. Um, and, and indeed, are we at, at, attracting people within the context of fixed-term contracts, particularly people from the private sector uh, to municipalities? I'll, I'll answer in two, in two ways, um, Jefferson. The first one is uh, certainly with the benefit of what is happening in the municipal space, I can indicate to Honorable Brunk that there are a number of people from the private sector that are joining uh, municipalities. And many of them, and if you would like, Honorable Brunk, we can provide you with that detail so that I don't appear like I'm waffling and or I'm making up things as I'm responding to you. But there are a number of people that are joining municipalities from the private sector and are joining on a on a fixed term contract uh, basis, and we'll provide you with uh, with such details. But also, there is a point that we had made around professionalism, and and I think we have not moved as Alga from that point. We remain uh, an advocate for introducing professionalism within the local government space. We also, as we are advancing uh, that position, we are also realists. Uh, and and what, as realists, we have to recognize is that there is a particular contextual reality that finds expression in, in a municipal space. And we thought we were raising it, uh, Honorable Brunk, through the second last slide that we had presented when we are saying, why are we saying that a different thing applies for municipal managers? Um, and, and you also made an attempt to, to address the issue. Um, but, but for me, what informs that reality of appointing a municipality, a municipal manager on a fixed term basis and linking, by the way, linking his employment with the current council or the council that appoints him uh, is indicative of that reality in a, in a municipal space. Now, I want to ask the question without necessarily 
expecting an answer, a chairperson. But I want to ask a question, but also answer it in the same time, in the same space. Why is it that that does not apply at national and provincial level? Why is it that in a municipality, a municipal manager's contract is linked to a council? Why is that a, a DG, whether it's at, at a provincial level in the premier's office or a DG in a national government department, or let's take it further in the presidency, why is their term of office not linked to the leadership at the time? So why is the DG in the presidency's uh, term not linked to the president or the current cabinet? Why is a prim in a DJ in the premier's office? Why is his contract of employment or appointment not linked to the provincial cabinet and or the premier? Why do we then want to do it at a local government level? And and the reason why we're asking that question, Chair, within the broader context of an overhaul of the Systems Act, is because we feel the answers to those questions are no different to the answers at the local government level if we truly look at them for what they are. And therefore, we need to take a broader look at the things we want to introduce and are introducing at the local government level, but they don't find expression from a principal point of view at the national level and at the provincial level. Uh, and you ask the question, why? Why is that the case? And and my fear and our fear as Salga Chair is that if if these amendments go through, we will be stuck with that reality. We'll be stuck with that reality that we would have to manage at the local government level. We would have to manage it uh, at the local government level. It is not going to be others who are going to manage it for us. Local government is going to have to set, sit and be stuck with that reality uh, that is now uh, being 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 uh, forced uh, upon them. But the, the other point we wanted to make, which we made this morning, Chairperson, in the meeting of the Portfolio Committee when it engaged with Dr. Bears, not your municipality, is that even where we have professional bodies, where people are subscribing as members and, uh, uh, and they have to meet the prescripts of those professional bodies as part of advancing professionalism, it has not been a solution. And this morning we presented to you that there are, when we met with Saika two weeks ago, they told us about how many of their members, members of the Institute of Chartered Accountants, the Institute of Chartered Accountants has members that work in municipalities. And we asked them the question, so if you are a professional body advancing professional ethics, why is it that your members are part of the wrongdoing in municipalities? And what are you doing? What are you doing as a professional body to ensure professionalism from your members? Why do your members, why are they part of the wrong that finds expression in municipalities? And what are you doing about it? So it is not an easy fix to say, well, let's create professional bodies and create professionalism with those bodies. It is what we do when we have those bodies. Are they doing what they ought to be doing and are they advancing true professionalism within our space? And certainly from where we are sitting, based on the information available, that is not the picture that we are 
uh, we are we we are presented with, and the same we could be say uh, with ILGM. We are we are scheduled to meet with them uh, this coming Monday. The question we are going to ask them as well is: Your members uh, as ILGM, they are in municipalities where things are happening that are negative. What are you doing? Uh, so the same questions we have to answer as Salga about municipalities and the wrongs that are happening in municipalities. We are now also asking the very same professional bodies who have members in municipalities to take responsibility for what is happening that is negative in a municipality. The the second point I wanted to come to, Chair, is, is the, the proposals that are made on the survey conducted. Uh, certainly, we, we would want to take on board in particular the suggestions made by both Honorable Hussein and Honorable Kibi. Uh, Honorable Kibi is from the local government space, so she understands it very well. Um, the, 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 the points that are made that our survey could have taken a few more steps further and or explore a, a few more things, we will, we will take that on board, Chair. We will go and do that work. Uh, because it will amplify uh, work that we have started um, in, uh, in, 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 in July. And then also uh, in response to, to Honorable, Honorable Grunewald, um, the, the, our, our calculation on the percentage, comparatively speaking, between permanent and fixed term, what we have done, we have isolated the clean we have isolated the qualified and similarly the other categories of audit outcomes and the percentages are linked to that. You are presenting a different perspective. We will also include that as a different perspective in calculated calculating percentages. But in our view, it will not move us away from the conclusion that we are reaching that many of the members have, have uh, confirmed through, through their contributions after our, our input. And indeed, we are not shy to say that what our survey is saying to us is that there are two sides of the coin. So it does not say there is one preference. It does not say that. Uh, and it confirms and reinforces the point that we are making. If there are two sides of the coin, and if there are positives and negatives, for both of sides of the coin, do we really need to, at this stage, at this stage, do we really need to move away from where we are, or do we rather allow things to 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 happen, but we run a parallel process of ensuring that we address the weaknesses that we find on either side, and maybe come to a stage where we are ready to say, well. All indications are that the best route to take is this route. And why is this the best route? Is because we had fixed the underlying weaknesses of this particular route that we would want to take. We feel that the survey confirms with us to us, we are not ready to take a different path. We are not ready for that path. Um, and I think it would be an injustice if we, we take that journey knowing the weaknesses and downstream uh, we have more problems and unintended consequences than what we have based on the picture 
um, uh, before us. Then two issues that were not raised by members, but uh, I think it's comments that are coming uh, from from Cocta Chair. We will stay away from conflict, uh, and our response, if you would allow, Chair, we would rather uh, so that we speak based on facts and we do not just talk because we have an opportunity to talk. We want to respond to yourselves in writing on two things that are being raised. Uh, issue of consultation, we will respond to you in writing factually. Issues around committees that have been established, we will respond to you in writing factually, uh, Chairperson, and, and I would not uh, venture into those areas. But if you allow us an opportunity, we will indeed put it down for you uh, in writing, including a chairperson, there are conversations that have taken place around what we had, and it's not new. We had proposed to COCTA uh, what should happen in the context of the vacuum of the 2011 amendment being invalidated. We have made proposals to them. It is a subject matter of a conversation. We do not think that all is lost with this invalidity of the 2011 Amendment Act. We do not believe. We do think that there's an alternative to address the weaknesses of the invalidity of the Act. And I think COCTA is well aware of what those are. We have not been shy in expressing those. But we would also, uh, Chair, uh, uh, in writing, uh, advance what we had advanced being the solutions to the current vacuum and rather took the route, take the route of an overhaul of the system, uh, systems, uh, systems Act. Uh, thanks, Jim. Thank you, thank you very much, Chair. Um, probably I must start by saying you, you allow DG in the presidency and DG in departments and in the province because of the understanding <clears throat> that the state is an instrument that must continuously service uh, the public. And uh, unfortunately, in local government is not seen as a state, the local state. And, um, and, and that is why you see some um, elements of attempting to uh, treat the local government as, uh, as, a, as a tier of government, not a fully-fledged sphere of government, that it had to be supported, it had to be <clears throat> assisted in, in going through the difficulties. I think, I think that, is the, that, is the, that is the understanding, and that is why you, you won't see uh, regulations pertaining to or laws pertaining to uh, should be the DG in the presidency to be permanent or full time or, 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 or contractual basis. So I think it's, it, we should understand, and that is why there is in the theory of the state um, and, 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 and government and, and, and the separation and its role and its politics that it needs to engage on. Uh, it, it's what is understood, but unfortunately, it's not really fully understood uh, in the local in the local government. <clears throat> I, I, and I've had all uh, uh, honourable members saying 
there have been counsellors, and I'm happy uh, for them to be counsellors in their life um, um, before they come to, to the house. I don't know, did they ever heard of a story where a, a, a manager reporting to a municipal manager saying to a manager, you are only here for a, a particular time, you are going to go out and then we are going to get a new a new person. Do, do we think that that attitude does contribute to the professionalization? And in, in my sense, it doesn't. And, and, and of course, it requires <clears throat> a, a some level of, of uh, commitment of, 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 of professionalization of the sector, uh, the local government sector, so that local government sector does address the challenges faced by society and communities, and most of those challenges as are alluded uh, to uh, by, the, by, the, by the, what to call it, uh, by the uh, committee members that participated uh, in, 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 this, in, in, this, in this meeting. The, the issue to me, Chair, is that what will be a, a problem to put rules in which local government must of, uh, 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 respect with an intention of supporting local government to achieve its own objectives as enshrined in the constitution. And uh, for instance, you are making a perfect example chair on, on Seingu municipality, which is not mentioned, unfortunately, on the study uh, that has been presented by Cogta uh, here in this evening. Uh, Seingu, having realized the performance of this municipal manager who started as an intern, uh, decided as a council that this intended must grow. Can you imagine a situation if this municipality has no ability or has no authority to choose either to take that route or not to take that route? Where could have that municipality be today? Some of the things that we are doing at times, probably we are doing unintentionally, unwittingly, but they have far-reaching consequences. Sengu today is one of the municipalities that is the stability, the leadership, with the focus, the, the better focus on matters that affect the community, including a better audit outcome and a better service to the community with the leadership that he had the discretion to say we can't let go and lose this institutional memory. Now, as you manage this contradiction, I think the state law advisor said, which, which I fully agree with, um, you cannot regulate everything. You cannot put law if a person wants to go to uh, overseas and say there's a law to go to America, there's a law to go to Britain. She said, it's in these issues, you need to deal with them and give clarity at the political level so that we in the local government be guided in terms of how we then deal with these issues. In fact, it's a best option. And fortunately, in the, in the, in the members here, uh, they do have friends in the private sector. 
and part of the performance in the private sector that all of us, we are always uh, saying private sector is a better sector than the public sector, is that how they link systematically the performance of each and every individual linked to the business in which the individuals are employed to perform. And it is important that whatever that we do, Chair, we mustn't create a two families that ultimately will conflict and fight over. I mean, I mean, you can look, you can look, uh, uh, for instance, uh, COCTA, it has been a high turnover of ministers over the last couple of years. And that is why earlier today we were talking about putting graves together. And we hope that there will be life. Because the, the, those that have permanent employment, indirectly, they undermine those that are there for a particular fixed period and leave. The productivity, of course, it will uh, be affected. The performance of the organization, it will be affected. And that is why we are saying as an association, it's better be safe for now until we have some sense of what is happening in the sector and intervene promptly. And part of that safe is to say, let the municipalities have discretion about what they want to do with this individual. If he performs, he, he remains. If it doesn't perform, we then upgrade it to this level. I think in that way is going to help us uh, a big deal in addressing some of the challenges that we face uh, in local government uh, today. I think, I think, I think, Chair, uh, let me stop there. Uh, that is our take as as a Salka. Of course, we will continue to engage with the department, with whoever that has an interest uh, in the local government, because. We have taken a decision that it cannot on this term as we complete the 20 years of local government, we still have local government that is not performing. So if we agree on that, it means we can go as far as we can in changing uh, the conditions that are faced by our public and communities in uh, where we are operating. Thank you very much, Chair. Thank you very much, Councillor Colleagues, it's now, what is it, almost uh, 19 minutes to, to, to 23 hours. I should think on the side of our committee, we, we've done justice to get all the information that we were required. Uh, and then uh, some of you are still a... Uh, promising to send us with the information lens, which we appreciate as well. Uh, and then uh, I should think now, this also, whatever you have submitted to us, all of you, it, it, it can assist us to come to a conclusion on this matters. But I think also what is very critical uh, 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 is this one that a uh, I think the main issue with this bill was about uh, the issue of the political uh, rights, which all of us, I think, uh, 
we have managed to, to deal with extensively as this committee. Uh, we have already reached a common ground on the main area of contention in the bill, which was uh, the limitation of the political rights, limitation of political rights. And from where I'm seated as the chair of this committee, I think we, we have then had these issues and exhausted the matter related to the fixed versus permanent contract. And then we still have to deal with more clauses. <laughs> and I think from where I'm seated, these other clauses will be then fairly, they will be fairly easy for us to also reach consensus on. And then also, I didn't see hear any view that says uh, if we are to retain the current status quo and allow uh, the municipality to exercise the, the discretion, this will cause harm. So I didn't hear it here. Somebody will say this will cause harm because already it's legislated and there are things that has been raised that is to deal with this. So then what is left for us now? Because we have heard both parties, we still welcome additional uh, information if it's to be finished to us. Because what we are going to do now, we are, what is left for us is to go clause by clause through the bill with the proposed amendments and we'll be formally in a, court, in a meeting wherein we are agreeing or not agreeing on the proposed amendments. And we can't be doing it now because already we've exhausted our meeting time by almost 45 minutes. So I've since asked the committee secretary as we're deliberating, realizing that if we are to start that close by close, it means we're going to knock off tomorrow, uh, tomorrow, because there are matters that we know that we are not on this other issue of the permanent. There are divergent views on that one. It means then we'll have to deal with that to agree on each one. So I've asked the committee secretary and she gave me a slot here wherein we're going to finalize the deliberations on the bill on Friday the 28th. Immediately when we finish with Lukwa, Lukwa local municipality, we're going to do, a, we'll go close by close, having taken the advice to also give us the opportunity to dissect everything and then as we deliberate then going close by close I'll listen to all of you then if we agree we'll agree if we don't agree you know how we go about that then we'll deal with the proposed amendment but bearing in mind that currently that view to say well let's leave it to the municipality to decide it can assist it won't cause any harm but if I'm wrong I'm not right we'll also take that for a decision by the committee. The other issue that we can't leave unattended, we want to direct you, DG, and the team to start the review of the entire legislation, local government legislation, because what we are doing here to deal with PISME is not solving the problems. You have seen how amalgamation has been made. The demarcation board is, act, is an act of this committee as well. 
if it means us to also look at that. So the holistic, I think the, the parliament advisory team and the state law advisors can also assist us as a committee. If that is not possible from the department side, this our the old bill that during our term we can also then look at that as a committee. Uh, I think I can sponsor that proposal or Mukalipi can sponsor that proposal or, or, or Honorable Hussein can sponsor that proposal or Ndavisita literally can sponsor that proposal and given our track record and experience in this committee on our commitment to make local government a better place because if we then you have clear legislations and policies it could, we wouldn't be sitting here up to this time or then. As you can see, the whole of this week, we're going to be knocking off this time. Next week, this time again, because then it will give us an opportunity to also then assess that. What is it that has been working over the last 23, 22 years since this local government white paper that is brought into existence of all these other legislations? So that holistic review. And it must happen in our lifetime, the visitor, as you said. You don't know whether you're going to come, come 2024, whatever. But at least the legacy that will be remembered of, to say during our tenure, we've managed to fix the legislations that then will, at the end of the day, make a local government function. So this is how I'm proposing that we need to end on this meeting. We have a slot on our program. That day, we agree, we disagree. That's the way we'll know each other's colors that day so that I'm going to make sure that we go close by close. But on this issue of permanent, I think it took us, if it's not four to five committee meetings, I should think we works. Thank you, Yes, I'm sorry, my apologies, my network was going. But that, that's that's how I want us to conclude this meeting tonight, colleagues. Uh, tomorrow is another early morning. I know Lance does, is not complaining. What normally Lance has been saying to us, Chairperson, you're keeping us busy until midnight, and then you want us to be functional again at night. Unfortunately, this is a consequence of some of the legislations that we, we are seated with that makes us to work the way we are working. But I should appreciate you, colleagues, the commitment. None of you have left this meeting since we started. And these are unholy hours. Uh, but it shows commitment. That's one thing that also gives me hope. We are going to fix this, all of us together, jointly and collectively. So as we wait, we've always done. Can I be allowed to attend this meeting until we meet tomorrow morning at nine, please? If thank you, Chair. Seconded. Chair, we don't have a meeting at nine. We don't have a meeting at nine. Focus. We can sleep. Oh, yes. hey. We can sleep finally. I was worried because this thing of waking up at, <laughs> in the morning is a challenge. For a change. Uh, it's only me, Chair. Programming at half past eight.
poor you as key as you get down. I shall wrap one. But it's, it's a man, it's women's man. She must do what she's doing for all of us. <laughs> at, least, at least we know we are represented in that programming committee. Exactly. Maybe that's, that's the that's reason it. why we are having so many slots in parliament. It's because of <laughs> we are misrepresented. We can't be having so many. Yeah, I think we have that one. Uh-uh. Papa, good night, uh, good night everyone. Good night. Good night. Good night. Yes, for the bishop to pray for us so that we just go straight to bed. <laughs> good night. <laughs> <everyone>. <laughs> good night. Good night.